getting so bad now, Chris, that every time when I get on here and I ask if you're ready and I hit record, I ha- I'm thinking in my mind, please don't have a delay this time. Please don't have a <laughs> delay this time. Please, just not, not again. Not again. I'm sure it's some technical issue somewhere. I'm sure it's some computer jargon bullshit. It's got to be something that's <laughs> interfering with something. But... And if if you want the honest truth, man, it's actually been your audio the most time. Like mine has really? always went through. Yeah, but like I'll get to the end and your audio is missing like three seconds or four seconds. This is not a call out on the podcast audience. I'm not it's just it's it's an issue we've been dealing with for a while. And it's like the one issue we have. Everything else goes smooth. That's okay. Last week I called out Adam. This week you call out me. You know, I'll find something to put on you <laughs> next time. That's fine. Yeah. Adam's calling out both of us, so he <laughs> I don't know. It's uh no, I re- legitimately not. There's nothing that either one. I mean, unless we do some kind of research and figure it out, I, I have no. I have no idea. I would think that. I would think it's something to do with, uh, like maybe the computer just not being able to handle it. Like maybe it runs too many processes at one time. But I've had time. I've been like testing it over time, like going from having everything that I usually have open full blast to having nothing but like our recording and. Uh, my mic stuff set up and that's it and I get varying results who knows either way it gets fixed and the audience is none the wiser until today <laughs> <laughs> um, folks can put a boot to this door hello everyone and welcome to the end of time I'm Michael and I'm Chris had to do a mad dash today when I got home trying to scramble for news. I got home. Honestly, I, I, I walked in a door about 12 minutes ago. I said to come in and get shit set up and moved around. And I was like, yeah, I meant to, I kind of meant to check news stuff all day, but it's been one of those days for me. Extremely busy today. Didn't have time, but we have some stuff to talk about. Definitely. And actually I got, I went through just one website. I went through about two pages and went, ah, there's a lot of shit. I actually do want to talk about. Um, I don't know if I want to roll into news. I can't think of anything else that I really want to banter about. So, fuck it. Let's roll into it. <laughs> All right. Let me let's let's start off with a little bit of non-gaming, if you don't mind, Chris. Okay. Uh, because I have so, this was something that was brought up during the week at work, and I had a small discussion about it. I haven't I haven't talked about this with several people and got many perspectives. I don't even have yours, I don't believe so, but so it's a very fortunate weekend for me and my work that we at, we actually have a 3-day weekend yep. and unless we get unless we get called in, which it's it's likely because it's getting that time of year for us, um I'll actually be off 3 days in a row. Hooray! One of those <laughs> days are paid. Also, hooray. Mm-hmm. The icing on the cake is that the, the way that our schedules worked out this week for, I think, the second time in five, six, seven months, uh, my wife and I actually have the entire weekend and the day, and the holiday off as well. So, good, nice. good stuff. Good stuff. That rarely happens. And, and her and I don't get to see each other a lot. So, it's, it's, it's really nice when we do get time together. So... Of, as it is, when you're at work talking to co- co-workers, we're all talking about what we're going to do on our holidays. You know, some people are going out of state. Some people are taking boats out for the weekend. Some people are going to barbecues. Some people are throwing parties. Some people are playing golf. 
for whatever reason. So a lot of people have lots of plans. They're doing stuff. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't think I really want to do much because I normally never do anything. But fuck it. Let me go see what's in the movies. There's got to be a movie coming out. I'm, I'm really, really waiting for that new Godzilla movie to come out. I tell you. Um, have you seen the trailer, Chris, for the gods? Well, let me back that train up real quick. Okay. Did you see the 2016 or 17 Godzilla? I don't think so. Okay. it's I recommend it, bro. It's good watch. It's good watch. And the King of All Monsters is the sequel. I think the main... Go ahead. I think the last Godzilla movie I saw was the one with the eggs. Oh yeah, that's the like the '99 version. That's is it that far back? I thought that was <sighs> in between. No, oh, that's the know. one that's yeah. It's <laughs> got uh, the guy that did the 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 voice of uh, Simba in the Lion King. It's got it's it's him and the blonde haired girl, and it's got the Leon the professional, and they freaking shoot down Godzilla when he's on a bridge, and they have that sappy moment, and then they find the eggs, and yeah, uh unpopular opinion chris i actually enjoyed that movie back in the day but apparently the world around me despises it and i can get it i get it from that campy not so good movie expectation but Mm -hmm. i was always entertained by it i thought it was people didn't like the redesign i get that too i i'm a fan of people saying they want something this way and it's redesigned we'll get to that in a little bit but I, I liked it. As far as a popcorn in your mouth entertainment movie, it was fine. The 2000, I want to say it was 17 or 16, whichever, Godzilla. Very good. A lot of tension built up. I That, that design apparently pleased everybody. Didn't have a shit ton of monster action in it like you would think a Godzilla movie should. But when it did have those moments, they paid off. So what's appealing about this new trailer for the new one is the scope and scale. Let me put it to you this way, Chris. If they if this movie is good, well, a couple things. If the movie's good, that's awesome. So they're 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 gonna continue this Godzilla style and this theme and this, you know, taking the taking Godzilla seriously and having this serious plot with also bumping up against real good action and and a lot of screen time with Godzilla. That'll be great. If that fails or bombs, I can understand people being upset. My main interest, my underhanded, not even in the same game as the Godzilla fans' uh, uh, excitement for this movie is from what I saw in the trailer, the scope and the scale of these monsters is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen things flying over places and like blowing huge gusts of wind through things as an example. Uh, just this, the scale of these enemies is awesome. And I'm going to watch this. I'm going to go, okay, okay, Hollywood. So you are now showing me that you can show a variety of monsters that are towering in height and towering in size. And you can actually make the physics of the world represent that you can show, you know, uh, entire buildings getting crushed and collapsed. You can show, uh, like I said, with the one flying around, you can show like things being blown over and it's just, you know, like a tiny little a little F-16 compared to a gigantic monster flying behind it. You know, what does that do if he flies past him? Stuff like that. And if you're showing me that you can do scale this good, you're paying that close attention to detail, why can't you do a Shadow of the Colossus movie? (laughs) Why can't you? 
I'll tell you why they're not going to do it, Chris, and why I don't want to see it. There is very minimal dialogue or text in Shadow of the Colossus. Mm -hmm. You know, when you when you conquer a Colossus, you get you you get a little bit of text telling you where to go next, and that's it. There's a everything is a lot of that game is told through visuals. Right. I mean, like just just look at the intro alone. You have. You have uh, Wanda riding the horse all the way through, and you you don't even really know what the fuck's going on. But then you start to clear. You clearly can see like he's holding a girl, or a girl's on the back. I forget. Either way, there's a girl with him, and then he gets to this temple and he picks her up and puts her on this thing, and then and then shit starts. That's what I would like to have in that movie, but they're not gonna do that. They're gonna have fucking Tom Cruise. And he's going to be talking in his office about <laughs> some some ain't, some ancient Mayan legend he heard about. And you get where I'm going. Yeah. If you make a Shadow of the Colossus movie, it has to be done with near minimal dialogue. I don't need to hear. All I need to do is hear that actor call for the horse. Stuff like that. Uh, and talk to the horse. But no. That... I don't know why it is if it's just American movies and I'm please audience show me give me references references of movies that prove this wrong. Uh, it's less about proving me wrong on this and though more about giving me more perspective. Something about American movies and American cinema period they always have to talk a lot like they always have to have way more dialogue than than is needed. You know an epic fight that happens between two professionals or or one man or woman standing against an army of people. I don't need a whole lot of banter back and forth between those. Just give me good cinematography and fucking shoot it. You know, good good chore good choreography and good cinematography and good shots and good angles and just let me see the intensity in their faces. That's it. If you're making a show of the Colossus movie, the Colossus need to be the primary focus. Wanda's just there, <laughs> you know, and that's in in a, in a very loose third party way. That's how I feel about uh, Godzilla, King of All Monsters. I see all these what I know there are tons of like Godzilla experts out there and they're all over this stuff like, oh, there's Mothra and this is why this Mothra is accurate and there's uh I don't know, Ghidorah, I guess, is another one. I don't. I, I probably got that name wrong. I don't know. But when I look at a movie like this, I just see monster upon monster, and I'm hoping that if this is like a two-hour movie, it's going to be like an hour and 15 of the monsters fighting, running, flying around, walking around, swimming around, or whatever. I, it gives me hope for something that I kind of I, I, I kind of want. Mm -hmm. But also don't I want it to be done right. This will show that the visuals they can get right. <laughs> yeah. So and of course there's other arguments beyond that. There's there's that you'd have to get the same writer, director, and all that stuff. And who do you have actually write the story and all that? And it's it's just kinda easy to kind of write the story for you to the game. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> so Godzilla tangent aside, mm -hmm. I've been I was I went looking for a movie this weekend, but and was hoping that the Godzilla movie was coming out. It's unfortunately not. It's a, it's a few weekends away, but I did see Chris that 
the Disney's Aladdin remake is coming out in theaters. It's already out by now in theaters. Yeah. And I think especially with us coming off the heels of Kingdom Hearts 3, well, main, especially you because you beat the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting to have just a, just a, a little non-gaming Disney talk for a minute. Okay. Did did you grow up with, and, and I don't mean this in like they were the primary childhood entertainment of yours, but did you grow up with Disney films and what, like name some of the films, if you did, that were part of that? Uh, well, I know I watched a lot of Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I just totally spaced out. I mean, the... Aladdin's obviously one. Saw that one quite a bit. Uh, then, wow, why am I completely blanking on everything Disney? <laughs> uh, Sora's like, come on, man. I- I'm totally Googling uh, Disney movies right now. Um, I don't know. I know I watched uh, Lion King. That's a classic. Mm-hmm. Watch that. Um Toy By the story. way, sponsor, sponsor shout out. Check has a green apple soda. Oh my god, this stuff's good. <laughs> it's like eating. I love drinking candy, man. It's awesome. Um, um, so, and that's fine, man, because it's almost the same thing as me. Uh, I I've had discussions several times with my wife because I'm just, I'm a I'm a tad bit older than her, and it's 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 amazing to hear like the the different movies that people like surround themselves with from the disney because i mean what disney's been around since the the 70s 60s 60s? actually yeah uh, apparently 40s we'll we'll have we'll have our fact checker chris look that up (laughs) well i'm on the list now and it's i mean there are two in 1937 and then the 40s is really where it picked up yeah, and you know what? It's not even really my my wife doesn't really come into this because she she's like a Disney fanatic. Period. Like mm-hmm. all the all the stuff, all the movies from the seventies, the eighty. If you name it, she's into it. She likes the old school ones, the middle school ones, the new school ones. And I, but I have talked to some people that are like, yeah, I didn't like. I saw I saw a Little Mermaid, but way after the fact. Like I, I'm more of the two thousands era, you know, and the, and beyond. And me, I was. <clears throat> I'm going to say I was, uh, as most of my childhood and teenage years is, most of my stuff was from the 90s. Mm-hmm. And predominantly, yeah, the kind of the same. My, a lot of core movies for me are like Aladdin, because I watched that multiple times. Uh, Little Mermaid. Uh, Lion King was a big one. Saw Lion King multiple times. Uh, Hercules. I watched Hercules a bunch. I even watched Hercules a lot in my in my uh, in my late twenties and early thirties. So, but I don't, I don't have all of them in my in my wheelhouse of Disney movies. You know, it's it's, it's certain ones. You know, I'm asking this because Aladdin is one of those for me. Um, and I'm noticing. I've seen a lot of these Disney live action remakes and I haven't seen one yet. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, there was a, there was a little mermaid live action one. I think, I think that one completely went under my radar, which I, I should check that out to get an opinion on it. But, um, 
the two big ones that are coming out, I think both are coming out this year that are in my wheelhouse of like, oh yeah, that's my that's my childhood right there is definitely uh Lion King and Aladdin. Yeah. And of all the other live action movies I've seen up to this point, I've been rather indifferent on. I've I've watched the Jungle Book, for example, and I liked the Jungle Book. I've seen it one time when I was a kid. I barely remember it, but you know, I, I remember Baloo and I remember the snake, uh, Ka, and of course I remember, um, uh, even though I cannot remember his name now, the, the fucking tiger, Shere Khan, yeah. But, and that is a Disney movie, yes, but that was not one that I watched repeat. Like, my parents didn't have a copy of Jungle Book and I watched it repeatedly. Sure. So, when I watched the Jungle Book live action movie, I was like, meh. Because I didn't have anything to go on. And as a movie, it was okay, I guess. And I've seen a few other ones. I'm, I'm blanking on their names as well. But I have seen a good bit of these live-action Disney rep, uh, adaptations. And I've, I've seen the trailer for the new Aladdin a couple times. And I've seen, good God, the social media has blown up for months now about you know Will Smith and mm-hmm. uh, showing little promos and showing little tweets and... A lot of a lot of the comparisons, you know, which are obviously going to come between, you know, his him and his version of Genie versus Robin Williams and his version of Genie and a lot of positivity and a lot of good felt a good uh, well meant emotions are pushed Will Smith's way and a lot of press surrounds, you know, him playing Genie. Mm-hmm. And all that's fine. All that's fine. But much like video game representations in movies, I I am I'm looking at this movie, at this trailer, and I I kind of don't want to see it <laughs> because it's it's it the the tone from the trailers seems so different. And I know it doesn't. I know it's not. This is meant to be a movie where when I think of Aladdin, there were a lot of scenes where it was, you know, I mean, come on, you never had a friend like me. Come on. That's, 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 that's genie all throughout that movie. There was always a positive jovial air throughout that movie. And this seems more, I don't know, try hard party ish. Party is a wrong word to use. It just, it just feels off. And I, I, I guess I just kind of want to get your opinion as well, but the audience too. But I just I I know it sounds like I'm just being a grumpy old man, and I usually am with like I just don't like change. But I I remember the feel that I got watching Aladdin, and I'm trying to have that feeling now watching mm-hmm. this tr- this trailer at least. And I go, it just doesn't it just doesn't seem the same. So I don't know. What do you think? I so I haven't actually watched the trailer, but I have seen snippets. Um, but so the movie released today, which means reviews. You know, I guess they start showing up the last couple of days. Um, whatever the embargo is on that type of thing, uh, mm-hmm. or the pre-screens and whatnot. And I have a couple like professional movie critics on my Facebook feed and I saw uh, not positive reviews of it. Um, and that was it not even going into it. Like the headline was 
this is bad essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And I just Googled it to see what the current scores are. It's at a 54 to 58% between yeah. Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes. This is not yeah. getting good reviews. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this, this, this goes in line as well with all these video game movies. There, there's, this is not a, a movie podcast. It's not what I'm trying to do with this, with this podcast or this episode. It's just definitely want to, this is something that's out there and it's something I want to get an opinion on. I think it falls in line with the video game movie adaptation mindset of, you know, you have this thing and you're trying to do an update, you know, you're trying to do a, a remaster, so to speak. And I just don't, I I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't sit right with me now. Questions beyond that. Okay. So what you say, it doesn't sit right with you. What doesn't sit right with you? The few scene, I I should, I really could have watched, I should have watched this uh, before we recorded to get another fresh perspective, but busy. So sorry. I didn't, but I remember scenes that just felt like it's, it, it just, it felt like it was too much of something and not enough of the Disney magic, so to speak. It seemed more trying to add more, colors and more flourishes and more excitement just stuff that just doesn't need to be there like they're trying to go above the movie and you you don't have to the other obvious question and it's apparently this is like a touchy subject but yet i don't know why it's touchy because it's completely legitimate to talk about two different actors um the other question is well how do you feel about you know will smith being genie and I've got some slight misgivings about it. It has nothing to do with Will Smith as an actor. It has an it, it has to do with Robin Williams not being alive anymore and them choosing to pick somebody else. Because let's face it, I could f- and I feel like Kingdom Hearts 3 has proven this to a degree. You can find other voice actors that while they are not the exact voice actor, they sound pretty damn close and do a pretty damn good job. And I'm okay with that. But Chris, if you're talking about Genie, that's Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that he made that genie like that now i know in the cartoon they had a pretty close sound alike and that was okay i would have been fine with that too um i i i think it was uh sincast that that talked about you know you could have just kept the same scenes with the same cg that you're doing but just have a, a better cg genie and just keep the lines in you know that's one way to do it or have that sound alike come in and add some and an ADR that to make it right and then move on. My hesitation with Will Smith has nothing to do with Will Smith as an actor, period. Will Smith's damn good actor. I can't think of anything that I didn't like him in except for that whatever Earth movie. That was very bad. But <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think Earth? he did After Earth, yeah. I think he did what he could with that i think that movie itself was bad that not a reflection (laughs) on him but i don't know man that and i'm really trying to rack my brain thinking right now like what are some like solid like it has to be these people and predominantly genie comes to mind like that that is his role that that was him and 
I've from the trailers that I've seen with Will Smith. I mean, yeah, he's got the joking, smiley attitude to him, but it just doesn't feel the same. So at the end of the day, my wife rules the house. If she wants to go see Aladdin, we'll go see Aladdin. (laughs) I'll have a more better perspective. And hey, who knows? Maybe I am just being an old grumpy fart and I go watch the movie and it's like, wow, that was actually better than I thought. But I know the track record of what I've seen with the live action representation so far. And most of them have been a like Chris, like a shoulder shrug, like, eh, was it bad? Well, no. Was it good? Not really. It was just there. Yeah. You know, if you think of a movie, if you think of a video game and a company comes in and the writers and directors and producers come in and do the MCU version of that, you should walk away from a Disney adaptation going, a live action adaptation going, wow, that was, oh man, that brought back my childhood. But it also, if it was done so well and it looked better and all those moments are there and. I don't know. I just don't see that with Aladdin from the trailer. Lion King? I don't think I've even seen that trailer all the way through yet. That's that's my other, like, staple childhood movie. We'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll see. At the end of the day, I don't wave a flag. I don't wave a huge flag for Disney live adaptations because there are already Disney movies out there. And yeah. they're great. I feel like most of them hold up to the test of time. I mean, I'd show my kids, you know, Little Mermaid and and, mm-hmm. and Lion King and Hercules. Sure, there's yeah. I, I'm not gonna forego those for some live action because they're newer. You know. Yeah. No. If I wave my. Yeah. I haven't watched the uh, Lion King trailer either. I've just seen you know small yeah. snippets as well, but I think Lion King has a bit of an advantage when it comes to these, you know, live action. Because there's no people. <laughs> right. It's just voice actors, you yeah. know? And they've proved that, man, movies have proven over several years by now that the animals talking look pretty crazy. You know, oh, yeah. Well, they can make it look pretty good, so. Oh, man. I saw the, uh, when I went to see uh, Avengers, one of the previews for was for, uh, wait. Is that? I need I need to fact check myself before I say something stupid. Carry on. <laughs> uh, I want to say there was a there was a live action animal something movie, but I as well can't remember what it is. But in any event, I mean, dude, I come back from an old from, <laughs> listen to me like I'm fucking eighty years old. I come from <laughs> an old school where Milo and Otis was like. One of my first ones like that. And they didn't even have the animals talking. They just had the animals moving around and somebody talked over them like narration. And then you watch something like uh, 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 Homeward Bound. I don't think they even oh, talked yeah. in that one either. But, no, I think they did. Well, they talked, but I don't know if like their mouths moved. I think they just like, like looked around. I think it was more like... It may have been scene by scene varied but i seem yeah. to recall them like the barking motion was them speaking you know not yeah. like lips yeah. i mean uh such a good movie oh yeah yeah that's that's a piece of my heart right there for real but as far as today oh man they can have freaking animals talking looking making human emotions all that stuff all except for sonic 
that shit looks creepy. But, <laughs> but we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to flip through because a lot of, there was a lot of non-gaming stuff uh, in the news, and I don't want to totally do all that. But uh, I don't remind me where you sit on uh, Game of Thrones. Are you caught up? Have you been watching? Do you care? I am complete. Okay, I get. If you want, we can go ahead and knock that out. <laughs> All right. Just the way that you said that it wasn't. Yeah, I'm done. It's. I am complete. <laughs> so, uh, I binge watched all of them. Uh, watched mm-hmm. them all pretty much back to back within like a night or two, and uh, I finally got caught up Saturday night before the episode dropped. I didn't get to watch it then. I had to watch it another day, but yeah. Um, I'll tell you so, where I sit. Go ahead. No, no, okay. go ahead. I've talked enough. <laughs> I've I've been thinking really hard about this since the episode ended. And um, Adam and I have been talking about episodes after they aired. And, you know, the first thing I told him was, not quite sure how I feel yet. <laughs> it really yeah. hadn't sunk in. I've been trying to think all week. And I'm like, man, I just, I don't know. And then I, I had this realization just earlier today. I was thinking, I was like, you know what? Maybe that is how I feel. I just, I'm uh, so mad about it that I don't have an opinion either way. It's yeah. just like, all right, that was the thing and it's done. And all right, moving on with life. So <laughs> low impact. I think that's just where I stand. Um, it wasn't, yeah. there were issues. There were good parts. There were bad parts. Um, but overall, it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, it's done. Yeah. And that, that, in and of itself is I would say that's bad enough. You know, I'm not jumping mm-hmm. on the hype on the train of this it's horrible and sign petitions and good God. <laughs> I don't I don't need therapy for People my Game of Thrones. Right. Um a re full disclosure for the audience. I I I'm obviously I'm caught all the way up with this and uh uh, I'll try to remember to put a little spoiler uh, blurb in here when we get there. But uh, I've watched all the seasons, uh, all the episodes. Uh, I it's hard to really say how I watched them. Like I didn't watch season one through seven back to back to back. I think it was like I watched like one through three and then backed off for a few years and watched four. And then uh, I don't, I really don't remember. But I definitely did not binge the entire Game of Thrones all together. But I have watched them all and. Did a fairly good job, I thought, of keeping up with everything. And I suppose there were moments in there for me. But as a whole, and brace yourself, folks, because I've had this, I, I, I've said this at work to coworkers and other people and gotten a, a, shitty, a shitty look. And I understand it. I deserve it for how arrogant it's going to sound. But the entirety of Game of Thrones, I put as far as like intrigue and at the, at, at the end of my seat and intensity and all that, I put it about maybe like a six, maybe a seven ish, maybe six and a half. That's fair. Because is, is it good? Sure. Did I enjoy it? It was all right. And I'm talking about the entirety of game of Thrones. Right. There were some high, there were a couple high, high moments, I guess like, uh, Whenever the mountain was fighting a viper, oh yeah, 
the lead up to that and then that fight, I was like, oh, I, I want to see these two fucking go at it. And yeah. the way that that went down and the way it ended, I was like, oh, shit. Um, there were a couple, uh, a lot of times when uh, either Spider or Littlefinger were on the show and they were, you know, working their puppet magic through the background. I like seeing that. I like seeing mm-hmm. uh, Spider catch when uh, when Varys caught the guy that did all that shit to him. I thought that was very cool. So, yeah, I mean, there were there are a few highlights in the entirety of Game of Thrones that I can look at and go, yeah, those are good moments. And those were oh, cool moments. But the entire series didn't have me like episode to episode just biting my teeth and just anxious for what the next show was going to show. Only a mm-hmm couple of those episodes did that um and i say all this because i've already had my quote-unquote series that kept me on the edge of my seat and entertained and the story was great and the payoff was great and movie to movie was great and that's the entirety of the thanos arc i mean that's that's all the mcu stuff for me that's my that i treat all that way better than game of thrones but those two aside, and Chris can, I hope, at least relate to this as well. I have played through countless, countless RPGs in my life. Folks, I've got Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy VII, Sweet Coden Two. I've got fucking the Mass Effect trilogy. I've got Witcher 3, uh, the, the entire legacy of Kane saga. I have so many great, well-told stories that not only did I watch and draw attention from, I interacted with. So, it's, and I know how that sounds. It sounds like it's like I'm looking down my nose at Game of Thrones. I don't mean that because possibly billions of people love Game of Thrones and I'm happy for them. If that is your like soup de jour, great. If that is your to, to go must watch thing, awesome. I don't hate you for it. I don't hate or dislike Game of Thrones, but I'm just kind of it's all right. It's pretty darn good, but it's not a... <gasps> You know, and this this finale is a perfect example. You know, listen to listen to a couple episodes back when me and Chris came off of uh, Avengers Endgame. I mean, four point five or not, I was still fucking super into all that, especially coming off of uh, Infinity War. Mm-hmm. But as I was watching the entirety of season uh, eight of Game of Thrones, I was like, okay, this happened. Excuse me, this happened in this episode, alright. Okay, next episode, okay, here's the big hook for this episode, alright. The next episode, alright, this is some pretty cool shit. It's kind of not super great, but some shit's going down. Oh! Oh, okay. And then a couple more episodes and it was over. So, uh, compare that to Endgame, (laughs) you know? You know, imagine episode one, two, three is Infinity War, you know, and Infinity War ended the way it did. But it was also the the, the whole entirety of that. And then Endgame, you know, say four five and six, it caps it off. Oh, man. So, yeah, I I don't know why this season was so short. I don't know what the decision was behind that. I, I didn't really bother to look into it. Yeah. Um, 
that's, of course, kind of one of the big issues with this season. Uh, but the series as a whole, I I binge watched seasons one through seven. I hadn't mm-hmm. seen any of them before that. And then yeah. I watched one through seven. Um, I didn't really have any sort of issue with this series as a whole until they started getting away from book material, yeah. uh, which I believe was season six or so. And the the only reason I think I really cared at that point was perhaps because I read the books. I had a lot more background knowledge on mm-hmm. things that happened, characters, etc. So if the series didn't go into detail enough, I could fall back and go, well, in the book, this happens because of this and that. So, okay. So what they're not telling us is this. And then um, it is disappointing, of course, that certain characters weren't in or certain characters did different things or whatever. And that's fine. Um, in some cases, other cases, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's one character in particular that was really hoping would be in there that wasn't uh, yep. because the books don't go into this character very much. So I was really looking forward to learning more. <laughs> because it's going to be forever until we learn more in the books. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of where, you know, not having the book material hurt my viewing experience, so to speak. I still, like I said, I had no issue all the way through season seven. I was like, okay, this is Game of Thrones. This is okay. I have no problems. Um, just this season seemed so rushed is really yeah. all it came down to. And there were some not very smart decisions. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so speaking of decisions and what we remember and what we want to get into before we get into it, might as well do it now. Spoiler warning for, I'm going to say the entirety of game of Thrones, not just the last episode. It'll probably be predominantly, it will probably be, well, I'll leave it as a caution for you audience. We are, we are predominantly going to discuss for the next, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, the final season, but it's going to it's it's fairly obvious we're going to go back and reference some prior story arcs or prior character development from past seasons and episodes. So uh, you've been warned. Spoiler warnings for Game of Thrones. So, yeah. Um, I mean, even the way that season seven capped off, man, with, uh, with the dragon going down and the fucking Night King, like, resurrecting it as his own... Yeah. riding it and melting the fucking wall okay from a story oh shit's going down perspective that moment was pretty cool yeah and then you proceed in the end of season eight and it's you know huge reveal you know that yet they were gonna re- the, the cat was gonna be let out the bag that you know who who john snow really was mm-hmm. and then uh it, you know, you got to tell Daenerys, and he's like, "Nah, bro." And just, uh, all, all the, the first and second episode was what is exactly what it was supposed to be—a lead up to episode three. Right. And, I mean, that's fine. It's it's people get really been out of shape over episodes when like they think every single episode has to have a fucking the wham bam. And you can Mm -hmm. honestly see from the writing sometimes they still try to put those wham bams in there, but they don't always leave them for the end. You know, they don't always have the super dramatic cliffhanger, you know, I I think the problem with this season in particular with them doing those two episodes like that. Is because they had so little time. Yeah. You know, so few episodes that 
in a normal length, you know, if it was 12 episodes, 12 plus, mm. I don't even remember what the other seasons were. Yeah. But if it was a longer season, then yeah, one or two episodes of quote unquote filler, if you will, set up, etc. Totally fine. Yeah. But with six episodes, you don't have that time. You have yeah. to go from one thing to another quick mm-hmm. um, or you just don't get to tell the story. Yeah. And honestly, there were a lot of, the, obviously, there were a lot of detail and details and plot points in episodes one and two, and I really don't remember them. Um, I remember primarily what most people remember, and that's episode three. Yeah. Because um, that was supposed to be it, man. That was the culmination. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was, uh, I, that was I'll, such a stupid battle. <laughs> i want to know more me me and adam we went on we went on on discord for this for a while about the whole defense the whole way they set up everything for around winter fell mm-hmm. it was not by any means a smart defense yeah. um i i understood from the night king perspective what they're trying to set up there i'm all about that that was you know Probably the smartest part of their plan was trying to set that up, uh, which, as we know, ended up almost backfiring in their face. Mm-hmm. But the defense of Winterfell as a whole, that wasn't smart. Why would you charge all of your cavalry straight at them? Yeah. that. <sighs> Why would you have a, like, two-foot trench instead of, like, something deeper? You know, because... If you didn't see them climbing over each other, you kind of, yeah, that seems yeah. like something obvious to consider. I'm gonna have make they a, never seen a zombie movie? Gosh, <laughs> I'm gonna make a suggestion for you and the audience as well. If you have okay. not seen a great, hear me out, folks, a great samurai movie, there's one called Thirteen Assassins. It's it's a slow start. It is a slow build, but the movie g- spends a good amount of time at the beginning building up like what these people are called together for, who they're fighting against, why they're doing it, the 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 and and then the route to the place where they're going to execute their action plan at. And please correct me where I'm wrong, but as far as like time goes, I want to say within like two to three days, maybe maybe even one to two days, these 13 men with a bunch of town folk fortify and set traps inside and just prepare an entire small village for this enemy to come through. And it is crazy how good they made all this stuff. Like they had gates to section people off so they were segregated when they had to fight them. They had like weapon trap areas basically so they would get blocked off at one end and they were and they were standing at the other and they they had Mm. like swords and and bow and arrows set up through and and explosions and all they had it was like a they made this town into a giant death trap and i watched something like that and go 13 men with a handful (laughs) of townspeople made this shit and okay mm-hmm. okay you could be anal about it if you want to you could look at it and go okay well they had two days you're telling me they did all this and they had what minimal sleep to no sleep and they fought their fucking enemies for hours on end without fatigue i get it that's not my point though my point is if you want to make 
uh, that area where the Night King was coming, you know, better, you had no excuse. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had all the people that there were. There were so many people, and I thought the direction. As far as like the direction of them actually doing it, there would be scenes where this main character and this main character were walking and talking, but everybody in the back was doing the shit. Mm-hmm. You know, you would see people carrying stones and carrying arrows and carrying swords and all this stuff. I'm like, all right, damn. So they this this shit should be a, a battlement when they when they come up. Nah, it was just well, it was pretty pretty awesomely fortified. That's about it. You know, and yeah, I also agree with the with the with the zombie thing, because how much knowledge did they have, you know, did so they they did a good job of telling people, hey, as they're shaking their shoulders, hey, the Night King is coming. He is fucking Mm -hmm. horrifying. We have to destroy him. Did nobody in there go, oh, by the fucking way. He can resurrect the goddamn dead. So if you send people at him, you're increasing his army. If he has 50,000 people and you have 500 and you send 200 out, he now has 200 more because the mm-hmm. sheer numbers are against you. That was so cr- I, I, I agree. Man. I was like, why are y'all charging forward? What are you doing? And what happened? They went forward. Yeah, war, war. Oh, fuck. And now they and come in. <laughs> looking at, you talking about, you know, their knowledge. I mean, think about it. They had Jon Snow and all the other, uh, not only, you know, brothers from the wall, the wildlings. As you mentioned, you know, in the season seven, they were, they had to deal with this. They were yep. at one point surrounded by all of these. And they... <laughs> They made it uh, through that and out, but they had all that knowledge they they gleaned from that, you know. Um, I can't remember quite how they got over the water, because at one point that stopped them. Um, Um, I don't even remember. I was going to say, I was kind of curious if if they actually used the same strategy or twice, you know, basically pile up over it, because I think they might have. Was there? But I, I don't know. But it's... But yeah, they had tons of knowledge. They knew this was happening. I don't remember if there was water. Was there water? I thought there was just a moat. Well, when they were they... out in the ice. I'm talking about in season seven. The end oh, of season seven. oh, yeah. No, I don't remember. <laughs> that was, yeah. good God, that was back in June, July, August of last year when I watched that shit. So. Yeah. Um, But okay, so putting that this this is what almost this whole entire season was like okay well putting that aside because a lot of it was not only us having to say putting that aside but the story itself putting that aside um because it's it's an accurate argument folks There's a lot of this shit was just rushed it's just this this should have been this whole season should have been arguably panned out to you know 10 to 12 episodes across two seasons but you know, we got what we got. So the battle itself, this, I mean, this is like a moment in Game of Thrones right here. This is the, you know, the fucking Night King's coming in. Bitches, I'm here. I got a, I got an mm-hmm. undead dragon and I've got a army that dwarfs your, everything you have. And the battle itself, okay, it, it had some moments here and there. Uh, Not a lot of people died. 
You know, it's great. Yeah. Well, okay. Let me. Not a lot of main characters died. Right. Yeah. There were way too many shots where you saw people. I was like, oh, Sam's dead. Uh, this person's dead. That's per. All these people are dead, and then they didn't die. And Half so, the people down on the crypt. And I'm like, this is. I'm like looking around. This is Game of Thrones, right? We're watching yeah. Game of Thrones, right? Where people are like, oh, you like this person? Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> um. But that aside. This is where my, the I don't know, maybe Chris, maybe the audience agrees, maybe you agree with me, I don't know, but I had a small hope, I had a small fucking hope, when John went charging through the snowfield, after the after the Night King, Night King, hears him coming, turns around, lifts his arms up, and raises the fucking dead. I was like, dude, I got goosebumps. I was like, here we go. This is how it's gonna end for these for this show right here, for this for this episode. And then mm-hmm. I keep gonna be like, yeah, hey, you just you just gave me even more people. Uh, now we're like eighty thousand to your twenty. You're fucked, bruh. And I was ready for it. I was ready for the bad guys to win and mm-hmm. then to continue marching north, and it was gonna be either the bad guys were going to win all of Game of Thrones or somehow, some way, some miracle was going to happen. And I don't know, Cersei was going to pull some shit and still the bad person. Was gonna, <laughs> I don't know. I was hoping for a not flowery ending. I mean, technically, we'll get there in a minute, Chris. We didn't get that either anyway. But of course, it didn't happen. That didn't happen. He raised the dead and fucking moved on. And John was all fucking he was getting one on a thousand and I was like, Oh, well, John just got fucked. And the night King moves on toward brand. And, uh, what's his name? I can't, I never remember his name. Uh, Theon? John Theon. Yeah. John wick shit boy. Uh, <laughs> 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 he got, <laughs> that's, that's the title right there. John wick shit boy. Uh, yeah. No, so he, you know, he does his noble thing and charges in, mm-hmm. which is, hey, you know, hey, good. He still tried yeah. something. He saved his nobility. All that's fine. Fucking Night King moves up. And even here, I was like, he's going to do it. He's yeah. going to fucking just, j- Bran's going to do some crazy, you know, ra- raven thing and like leave his body. And the Night King is going to stab his throat and, and kill him but he's gonna be like in a, in a raven or something and he's gonna live somehow and as I'm thinking that as I'm giving these my, I'm, I'm feeding my own mind with these possibilities <laughs> she just fucking comes in st- and stabs him and he's dead I mm-hmm. said what wait a minute what and I I agree with the arguments Chris I totally get it from a okay I will give you that she was she trained herself to be an assassin. There's so many things that she could do. She she could she could go around and not be seen, not be heard, and she excelled at being an arbiter of death. I get all that. I get why she could do it. But I still felt it shouldn't have been her. I don't know. As as an asshole as that is to sound, it really felt deflated. That moment, Chris, when she fucking flew in, that was supposed to be. You could tell the way it was shot and produced. That was move. That moment was supposed to be a. Oh fuck yeah! And I was more like a wait, what? Her? 
<laughs> and, was, and then it went to, oh, fuck. Oh, the, oh, he's dead. Oh, that's it. Oh, it's over. You know? Yeah. And I, I really, I, it was, it was, to be fair, it was quite a moment for me because I love the Arya character. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I expected her to get thrown back mm-hmm. um, and fail in her attempt as well, kind yeah. of as another distraction while something else happens. Yeah. Um, so when she did that knife move yet again, which she's used before, yeah. Um, I was like, okay, very well. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I see. <laughs> it was just a very middle ground moment for me. That's all it was. It wasn't bad. wasn't great. But I was like, okay, it's over now. Awesome. But I don't know. That whole entire battle was supposed to be the whole fuck yeah, man. And I just didn't, it didn't, uh, it, it was, it was all right. It was, it was, it was okay. Yeah. But then after the battle, fucking everybody gets up and I'm like, oh, you, all of you lived? What? There was like 27 shots of you being overtaken by like nine of these things. And you see people like one would go against somebody and rip their throat out. How are you alive? But eh, <laughs> whatever. Whatever. Real, before we going back to before the fight ended. Can we take a moment to point out how stupid Danny was to just stand around <laughs> instead of getting on her dragon and flying away when they were surrounding her it's like oh hey let me wait for my dragon to be covered in undead and yeah. then we'll take off <laughs> and in the meantime people are dying yeah be- trying to save her because she's being an idiot it's like how uh, i just i yeah I there, understand <laughs> there there are m- thousands if not millions of people that can redo that 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 battle you want to know my opinion that battle alone should have been about three episodes that's how intense Uh, yeah yeah, that's how intense that that is the that is the finality that depend and and then depending on how those two to three episodes play out that will let you know how severe how severe the the last of the whole entire show is supposed to be you know is it is it the, did the Night King make it through? Did he not make it through? Did did other forces get to rally behind whoever? It's just, I don't know, man. It was it was a good thirty minutes, 30, 35, 40 minutes of of a, of a battle, and it was it was good. It was all right. Had its moments. Yeah, the splitting it up. I think it could have been probably done to where first episode was outside and the second episode was inside yeah you know yeah that type of thing and i mean there were little moments here and there the moment where uh um Tyrion and uh uh sansa you know were down the crypt and they're looking at each other and they're like hey, this is the last hurrah here we go that was okay it was pretty good but as a whole meh it's all right so then the last two the last two episodes come out or last three I guess. Um the big one for me was was um Varys getting killed, man. That really that really sucked. I really liked his character. And mm-hmm. I like many others, I really hope that while they may themselves not have been on the throne, I really hope that they would have been the hand or 
still like close advisor to whoever was going to be on the throne. And it would have been directly due to their machinations throughout the entirety of Game of Thrones. You know, I was really hoping that for Varys, but nope, nope. He got, he got burned alive. And, um, and then that, by the way, that never paid off that I remember anyway, because he talked to, uh, what was her name? Martha, I think. And it was like, go do this thing. And then he ended up getting killed. And then I don't know if what she was supposed to do paid off or what. I, I don't know. Um, but the next episode had something I don't fucking know. But then there's the last episode. And, okay, so my preface to this is that, spoiler free, I was already hearing things about the final, final episode. And, I'm sorry, not the, I'm sorry, the fifth, the fifth episode fifth episode is what I'm talking about now. I, I I heard a lot of spoiler-free talk about it. And one of the main things I kept hearing was, man, fuck Daenerys. And I was like, mm, okay. And they're like, nah, man. And there's people that like, oh, man, uh, Castle Super Beast was like, there are people that have named their daughters Daenerys. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> How the fuck do they feel now? And uh, it was really getting me curious. I'm like, what the fuck is everybody talking about? Like, what did she do? Did she like kill Tyrion or something? Or like, I don't, I don't understand. And then I watched that episode, and I'm like, man, what the fuck? Which mm-hmm. kind of echoes what everybody else says. They. So, before I get into the details of it, I will say that there were a lot of good shots in this episode. There were a lot of great one shot takes in this in this episode. Uh, and I do appreciate that the cinematography in this in this episode, most yeah. of this season actually was done pretty well. They made yeah, this think, stuff look really good. Yeah, and I don't recall aside from some of the areas that it was very dark and people complained about that. Other than that, I don't think anyone really complained about you know the movie from a aesthetic or you know uh, how it was shot. I don't yeah, think anyone really complains about that. Uh uh-uh. uh. So, uh, but that aside, <laughs> <laughs> they have, I mean, they even had a really good character moment where uh, Tyrion was out there talking to whatever the fuck that old raggedy guy was. He was like, I don't want to hear babies and women and babies screaming, you know, in pain because of whatever. And they were like, he was like, yeah, there will be a lot of screaming and all that. And he's like, no, I don't want that. So do this. And yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. But the idea was presented. Hey, when you hear the bell, that means they surrendered. So mm-hmm. let's just fucking drop. Okay, it's done. It's over with. Yeah, And they really kept pushing that. They kept pushing it a lot. They kept pushing it all the way up to the moment because the bell was ringing and you kept hearing, they, they kept painting the camera around here. All these people, the bell's ringing. The bell, open the gates. Ah. I was like, yeah, yeah, here we go. And Daenerys goes, eh, and wastes everyone. Yeah. And, you know, your thoughts, Chris, please. That, I, I kind of saw it coming. I mean, everybody kind of figured that was the route they were taking with it. But until 
that last second before a fire hit, I was like, maybe they're playing us all. Maybe she is going to stop. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Come on. It's not too late. It's not too late until, you know, yep. fire hits innocent people. Yep. It's not too late. And then it was too late. It was... It's so frustrating to... It was so predictable and... I I don't know. It, yeah. It yeah. was somewhat abrupt. That, that's the big problem. Well. And I mean, again, this is the echo of the whole entire season. The shit was rushed. Because... I, I can understand. Mm-hmm. You, man, you got to figure, man, there's fucking limits to people. There's limits to things. When I think of her throughout the series, it started out shitty for her, but she was always the arbiter of, okay, the innocent will not suffer. Well, we'll do this. Okay, yeah. you're now down. The innocent will not suffer. I'm going to help people. I'm going to bring peace. You'll have to kill me to do it. You're fucking dead, bitch. Eat eat fucking dragon fire. Now, does anybody else want to oppose me? Because I'm here for peace. And yeah, I suppose from a narrative perspective, you could go back to her past throughout the series and find snippets of things that would add up to her snapping. But... That it, it, mm-hmm. you weren't getting those hints throughout this season. At least I wasn't. I, not enough. Not enough to look at a whole entire city of thousands of people and go glass them, glass everything. Yeah, I think the you know final uh, turning point, if you will, the final clue, uh, at least in my mind, is when she said, uh, "Yeah." fine fear it is in relation to you know how versus uh respect but do you or feel that was enough the for you chris alternative was in relation to john no uh, was it enough no but i think that kind of sealed that was the moment yeah. that it was sealed yeah. okay we can see where this it is just going. I, I know that game of thrones as a whole walked a a, a large moral ground for people I mean, you saw some some good people do some bad shit and, and vice versa. I get that. And I, I get that you shouldn't have been surprised by anybody's mm-hmm. anything. But I never had to question the motivations for what why people did what they did. You know? And Daenerys turning dragon fire on thousands yeah. of innocent people, whether or not it was a quote-unquote enemy of hers or not, they had given the fuck up and she's like nah that i didn't i i did not feel like i had enough to justify that i i didn't look at that moment and go yes turn because yeah. they've all fucked you and now fuck them i was like what are you doing what why are you looking why are you stopping <laughs> what no you why the fuck are you why are you, stop why are you doing yeah. this and i feel that's that's what the general audience as a whole was saying you know and i think i have a couple of different thoughts going through my mind right now the first was uh going to you know the actual burning of the city the cinematography there that was a very good decision to mm-hmm. like follow Arya and others on the ground um there were a lot of yep. real 
oh damn moments, you know, as things mm-hmm. happened. Uh, her and the lady with the kid, that was, man. Um, and I actually thought, so when that happened, <laughs> every time Arya went down or got close to being burned, I was like, okay, so here's what's going to happen. She's going to burn Arya. John's going to find out somehow. Oh, yeah. And now John's going to be against Danny. There went, you know, that that would be a trigger for him to, you know, set things in motion for him to go work for writing Game of Thrones. You you just, you're hired. You're fucking hired because that, that would have been great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. It felt, and the whole John and Danny thing. Um, it felt a little odd in the way it worked mm. out, even after he saw her do this. Um, I, I'm not one of those that, uh, you know, is, well, they should have just gotten married. I understand he was raised in the North a certain way. That's not his yeah. way, yeah. even though that's the Targaryen way. You know, he is a Stark, yeah. not a Targaryen, despite his name. You know, so I'm okay with that not happening. That doesn't bother me. Um, but for him to still, and I, I don't think, it, you know, the argument could be made that it was an act to get close yeah, to her to do what he did, but I don't think it was. I think he was genuine the entire yep. time. Everything he said to her way. was the truth. And I, I understand sticking to your guns, yeah. but you got to draw the line and everything. Mm-hmm. He killed one of his own men because yep. of what was going on, you know, in the city. Things went to that point. That should have been yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, we are kind of mm-hmm. rolling straight in the, in the finale, but that's fine, man. I want to. I don't want to spend all episode talking about Game of Thrones. I don't. I don't feel like it's. I don't feel like what we got is worth that. You know. <laughs> So yeah, the finale, and I saw it, man. Mm-hmm. Come on, if th- this is this is the one of the few times where I can say everybody saw it coming. There was no way around, and I don't even know if I don't even know. I'd have to watch the episode again to see if they were trying, but I really don't think they were. You knew that he was going to kill her. I mean, it was it was clear as day, and he went in, when he went in for the hug. I was just, just like, yep, here it comes. Yeah. You know what's coming. I don't know what's it. What's it gonna be? Is he gonna snap her neck? Is he mm-hmm. gonna fucking somehow sick the dragon like on her? Like who knows? But no, it was a just <laughs> a knife. The little secret. The little secret off camera knife. That's just, something else I wanted to say. Like, yep, yep, she's dead. Right. It wasn't even. Well, it was off camera when he did it. Yeah, but it was funny when he's walking <laughs> up. I was like, wait, does he have a sigh on his belt? Because yep. that stuck out to me. Because I was like, "Wait, that's not a knife. That's a sigh." I was like, and that that had this whole train of thought in my mind. Like, yeah. is a sigh considered yeah. a knife? All these tangents <laughs> at this point. Because I was like, he has a motherfucking sigh. Have we seen that before in Game of Thrones? I haven't paid that much attention. Surely they may have been around. I was like, ah, the thing is, I don't know. I was more interested the in the sigh than is, <laughs> him we, walking up. That shit happened so fast. Chris, you saw you. Daenerys went from here I am, it's mm-hmm. time to make the call to I am now a shitty person to oh, I am dead. Whereas fucking Cersei, 
gets episode yeah. after episode after episode after episode of her being a total fucking shitbag. And she dies under some rocks. She dies under the fucking castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a good payoff. Yeah, I... I... I can see how that could be kind of fitting for her to be in the spotlight for so long, but then she dies in the dark, you know, like that. I can see the poetic justice in that. However, I didn't want to see that for Jamie. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I really wanted to see a a bit of a redemption story for him, whether it was taking out a sister or doing something else to help, you know, the city. Mm -hmm. Or... Go back to Brienne. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and you know, Danny dies. Danny gets killed. And they have a just suddenly the, the fucking uh, uh, Tyrion's being brought up for a trial. Why didn't they just flat out kill him? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I thought I thought they were the unsullied were just fucking waylaying things, but he gets brought out for a trial, or I guess that's what he was there for. I don't, I don't really know actually. I, I was giving up. I was fucking yeah. I was so bailing real quick. Th- they did a bit of a time skip there, and I think the way the sequence of events was, he was taken to prison, and then you know with Danny gone. They kind of lost direction because the Unsullied didn't have, you know, anyone to follow uh, beyond Grey Worm, of course. So now, and it was obviously a couple weeks, I think, Mm -hmm. is the time before, like, the scene where she dies and then the next scene where they have this little council. Yeah. But yeah, the, the a fucking council gets called and they're like, all right, well, it's time to appoint leaders, appoint leaders and... As Tyrion is, he makes a great grand speech about it, and they make Bran the king. Bran was like, yeah, fucking dumb. I'm going to be the king. That's why I came all the way here. <laughs> so it's like, that was such a funny line. Like, that was a great wow, line. Wow, really? Uh, yeah. So yeah, Bran's the king, and fucking dude got up to make a speech, and fucking Sansa was like, bitch, sit down, and clanked his sword <laughs> on the pillar. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> laugh, funny moment, but I don't know, man. And then the fucking shit ended, and that was it. And I did not feel. I just didn't feel anything like I thought I should be feeling for something like this. And I think that's an echo that most of the Game of Thrones audience has, is that they were. Mm-hmm. I I tell you what, I'll paraphrase it like this. I will paraphrase quote. Uh, 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 sorry, Wooly from uh, Castle Superbees. If I remember right, he was talking to Pat about it. He goes, remember how the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever, of season one through seven of Game of Thrones, there were so many times where you were anticipating what was coming and you would go to work and you would just fucking banter on and on with your co-workers and family and friends about the plot twists and who did what to who and who got killed, but who got spared and all this stuff. He goes, now think of the entirety of, of, of season eight and now it's done. Do you feel that way? Did you feel that way? If you didn't, that's bad, and that's that's kind of what I understand yeah. with people, and I and I t- 
totally understand and respect that. That's that's shitty, you know. Um, a lot of people are not happy about this, and a lot of things are trying to come around. I mean, they're trying to do like a there was a giant petition out for you know a, a rewrite. <laughs> they didn't. I, I thought it was funny too. The first one that I ever saw, they specified mm-hmm. that uh, we don't want. We don't just want a rewrite, a rewrite of the entire eighth season. We want new writers to rewrite them, mm-hmm. specifying that. I thought that was uh, pretty, pretty, pretty funny. Uh, yeah. The, the, yeah. At the end of the day, it's, o- it's One- over. It's done, and it was the whole entire thing was a big cool, and it ended with a whimper for me. So. I think one of my biggest takeaways from, you know, the ending was I want to see where Arya's going. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way she put that. She's been. (laughs) She's been one of my favorite characters in the book and the series. And she has a lot of very interesting moments. She's pretty unique as a character goes, Mm -hmm. you know, with what she does or doesn't do, you know, going against the norm, she's going to do what she wants to do, you know, type thing, which a lot of people do, but she has a certain, you know, way about her. Yeah. And her sailing off to the West, going past, you know, the edge of the maps. Awesome. All right. Where are we going? Yeah. I'll tell you what, at least, you know, she's going to survive for a fucking long time. (laughs) No matter what's out there. Uh, She'd kill the night King after all. And she's an assassin. So, no. Yeah, uh, if you want a good series to entertain you and, and you get a lot of good payoff, go play fucking Mass Effect, people. Get away from Game of Thrones. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> go watch the MCU. You know, <laughs> you'll you'll get some entertainment out of that. But genuinely, though, I don't say that from an arrogant point of view. I I don't like that this many people are that are this upset about it because I understand they're justified. You know, they wanted all this. They were hoping for all this. It was building toward all this, and they didn't get that, and that sucks. I mean, people have invested a lot of time and many years to this, and for it to just kind of. You know, it's a fucking rocket ship flying off, and then the last, you know, it just starts sputtering and then falls to the ground. And that sucks. That really does. Uh, But hey, like I said, man, it's okay. There's a prequel going to be coming out, right? Everything's good. Everything's good. (laughs) Yeah, there are like two or three different. There's at least one confirmed, but then there's like two or three others they might do. Yeah. Meh. It's whatever. I'll tell you what, I'm interested only because of how these last couple seasons have done as far as cinematography and and all that stuff, you know. They really started getting their game together big time. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to the book still. Yeah. Because I want the proper story and ending. (laughs) Yeah. I I wanted it's so it's not so much that I even care if it's an entirely different plot that they play out but i want all those details yeah you get when you read a book yeah. that's what i want yeah and it's there you know there's your script this as much as i say video games are there for you in a script books come on man they set everything up for you you mm-hmm. just need the fucking translator to do it same way you need a translator for a video game it's 
It's simple. I say it's simple. The guy that's, you know, he's a fucking, <laughs> I work on airplanes for a living. I don't, I don't write, produce, direct, and all that movie. So I get it. I'm talking, I'm side chair producing here, but I don't know. Whatever, whatever. Uh, so more non-gaming stuff before we get into gaming news. Uh, Mortal Kombat movie is coming out. Apparently it's, uh, coming out in 2021. I will keep my fingers crossed for this because I was trying to read an article here and there. And I just, it's really hard for me to talk to you guys and read this at the same time. But, uh, all I want to know is, is this thing going to be live action? And if not, is it going to be CG much like the, uh, cinematic cutscenes are going to be? Because I got to tell you, man, if you haven't seen, uh, I, I, I pose this to you and the audience too. go check out, you know, Mortal Kombat 10 and 11, Watch like the story mode of these of these games because they've gotten crazy good at at making these movies, you know. So now they just need to do it in the actual cinema. <laughs> well, it's I mean I'm assuming it's live action because let's see, as of May, which is the month we're in, it was announced that the reboot has entered pre-production and will be shot in South Australia. All right, so we March fifth, twenty twenty one. I know that Kano is going to be in it, so awesome. <laughs> uh, and this article I'm reading on, I mean, as Games Radar Plus says that screenwriter Greg Russo, who is also writing mm. the upcoming Resident Evil movie reboot, is handling the script. That's interesting yep. on two separate levels, uh, and also. Uh, let's see. Uh, James Wan, who was the director for Aquaman, is producing the movie. So, uh, Simon McCoy, who did a bunch of those Call of Duty World War II live action commercials, he is directing. So, yeah, it's okay. Solid little lineup here. I'm interested. Uh, definitely also interested in this Resident Evil movie reboot. That. That really has me curious. I'm going to do some research on that when we're off of here because uh, I really want to know what's up with that. I'd like to know that they're coming in and going, yeah, those Resident Evil movies, they were shit. Let me <laughs> show you how a Resident Evil movie supposed to be done. And they make it like the game. We'll, we'll see. Uh, this is a good one, Chris. I don't know. I want to I wanna know how, much, how excited this makes you. I want to see if this turns your opinion around. Uh, okay. Sonic the Hedgehog movie delayed till 2020 while Sonic is redesigned. Yeah. You know what? Good for them. Yeah. They saw the criticism. They said, hey, good points. We're going to redo it, but we're not going to kill our VFX guys, <laughs> our visual effects guys. We're going to yeah. extend the uh, release date back so we can do this properly and, you know, not screw them over. Awesome. You know, not only awesome for redoing it, yeah, which is needed, um, mm -hmm. but also for taking the time. So they're yeah. not going to be scrambling. You know, they're not going to do the crunch, which has been a huge topic, you know, in the gaming side as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, good for them. I'm going to give the credit where it's due. I respect this. I clap for it. This is awesome. Just like you said, they got the criticism and they were they were bold enough to go, hey, you know what? Oops, sorry, 
my bad. We're going to fix this. But Chris, even saying that, I still have my arms crossed. Because it's like, no, 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 no. Because we still haven't seen the movie yet. There was still a rumor. Yeah. There was a there was a rumor for a long time that they were making this that Sonic was an alien from outer space or something, and I'm it's like stop. I don't need. I don't, we don't need that shit. I don't need that. The movie still has to be good. It's great that they fix the visuals. The movie itself needs to be interesting. And well, I I, j- I don't know, man. Just that from the trailer that I've seen, it it worries me. From what I understand, the alien from outer space thing is totally a thing. Wow. I think that is actually part of the movie. Um, Maybe like a small part, like you don't actually see them beam down to Earth or something like that. But I don't know. I I don't know how they tie it in, but I believe that is movie canon. All right. Note to self. Go ahead and edit this entire section out of this episode because I will not talk about this fucking shit. (laughs) (laughs) It, it, it probably just, still it, won't be good, but uh, yeah. Uh, like I said, at least I'll it'll give, look a little better, maybe. Yeah, I'll give I'll give the credit where it's due. That's awesome, but it's I the, the, the it need to it needed to say entire movie rewrite, not just visuals. But <laughs> that's one that's one video gamer's opinion. A live action Akira movie is a thing. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I forgot about that. Okay. But the biggest... Uh, so, let's see. I'm trying to find it now so I can get the actual quote, but I can't. So I'm just going to pull up that I'm reading this off of uh, GameSpot News. And it was... Uh, Thor Ragnarok's Taika Waititi will be directing this. Now, here's what I'm going to say about this. I love Taika Waititi. Uh, if you have not seen uh, what we do in the shadows, you are doing yourself an, a disservice because it is a hilariously good vampire werewolf movie. And Taika Waititi is in that movie. I think he writes, I think he directed and he either wrote or directed and acted in it. If that doesn't suit your fancy, yeah, Thor Ragnarok. You get to see go from Thor Dark World to Thor Ragnarok. Enough said. He has a flair. He has a he has a way of doing things. Now, that being said, this is an anime getting a live action representation. So, mm-hmm. who knows? I'm still I'm still hesitant. Well, there's also there's also the Cowboy Bebop one. Yeah, I forgot all about that one. Uh, yeah, I forget. We're I in an we era of live-action remakes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, just a quick snippet. I saw Ghost in the Shell a month or so after it came out on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever, and I'll I'll tell you, there are a lot of good visuals in there. I feel that there were a, a few... A, a few points in there where it's like this is this is snipped from the anime. I like that. I like mm. that they take that close attention and, and make it a point to get those points in there. But as a whole, I would still prefer the anime. Uh, I feel like Akira would have a little bit, much like I, I feel Ghost in the Shell and Akira are on equal footing, so to speak, because think about it. Uh, Motoko is basically she's a person she's an android but she is a person um, 
most of the characters in 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 Ghost in the Shell are humanoid. That's what I'm getting at. Uh, Akira, right. Kaneda, Tetsuo, the bikers—they're all per- they're all people, with the exception of Akira turning into the monstrosity. That's very easy to do. So just pull the anime and direct scenes just like it. Have the bike look spot on. Have all the bikes look spot on. Have the you know the colonel looking the way he looks, and have the doctor looking the way he. I mean, this this could be good, and I'd have to know, man. I'd have to know how much Taika Waititi knows and loves this. Um, but I'd say I, I I'm keeping an eye on it. I'm keeping an eye on it. Uh, Monster Hunter is getting a movie, and I was like, oh, okay, all right, uh, Millie. <laughs> Milia Jovovich talks talks about it, and I was like, uh, the same Milia Jovovich that was in the Resident Evil movies? Yep, and Resident Evil was made by Capcom, yep, and so is Monster Hunter, yep, alright, I'm gonna move on. <laughs> Those have nothing to do with each other, I'm not saying that the directors and producers and the writers are the same, but, I, right. no thank you. No thank you. Dude, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic movie is being written. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, we're they're coming. They're nobody's listening to us, Chris. They don't care. They're just gonna keep coming. And I don't know what one's ever gonna be the one that makes me and you go, dude. This was it. This is what we've been waiting for. I just don't know. Halo. Uh, let's talk Halo Infinite. If we can finally get in some games, what are you looking forward to with Halo Infinite? Or better question, have you looked into Halo Infinite at all? Any details or? Or any news that has come out about Halo Halo Infinite? Um, okay, so Halo Infinite is what they showed at E3 last right. year. Right. Um, I... So, the last couple... As I hit my microphone. The last couple of Halo games have um, been a decline to me. Mm-hmm. There were... Story-wise... I didn't really have any issues. I enjoyed the story. Um, mechanically, I had some issues where they took some stuff away uh, or changed things up. Um, not controlling Master Chief for you know the entirety of the game or him not even being involved, I guess I should say, because I was fine with the whole Master Chief Arbiter split. That made more sense. Um, playing as you know the other uh, Spartans was interesting uh, mm. because I don't, they're not real Spartans. <laughs> I get they're called Spartans, but they're not real Spartans. Yeah. I will say, though, getting to play Master Chief and the original Spartan 2 team, I love that. But I'm a Halo junkie, you know, a lore junkie, mm-hmm. as I've mentioned before. Oh, yeah. So seeing all those names that I know from the books that they've never even talked about in games, I don't think. I don't think their names have even been mentioned once. To have them there in the squad and to be playing alongside them. That was amazing. I love that part of it, but multiplayer, uh, some of the other mechanics things just downhill for me. So this one, I think the best thing from the trailer they showed us was master chief. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Master chief is there. Okay. That gives me hope that he's going to be the focus as he should be. Because we're, we're not done with Master Chief. No, we're not done. No, no. Um, and even 
even when we're done with Master Chief, which may be after this game, um, I I don't know what I want to replace them. But I want Master Chief to be the focus as long as possible because that is the character that is Halo to me is Master Chief Spartan yes. Twos. Yes. It's been the same for me, and man, I can't speak anywhere near the level you can because there's I've dropped off so long ago. But that is like the center. You know, you might as well come to me and say, Hey, we're making God of War. Kratos is done. I'm like, eh. Or is it only Atreus? Yeah, okay. Well, maybe I could tolerate that, but you don't. You don't do that. You know, you you, you don't. He's Man, an anchor. What a transition that would be. I know yeah. this is a tangent, but yeah, going from Kratos to Atreus, if maybe not, maybe say like three games down the road. Yeah, you know, we've seen Atreus grow up from this last game to that point where he's. An adult, he is oh, following. Chris, you and- gotta stop. Oh, you gotta stop. My mind, my <laughs> mind, and my heart are going to places I don't want it to go to right now, and we already know it's coming. The third game in this trilogy, Chris, is gonna be a. Tr- so the second game, he's gonna be a mid to late teenager, and the final game, he's gonna be an adult, if not a full grown aged man, and he's gonna end up saving. Kratos is going to sacrifice himself for Atreus, and Atreus is going to carry the torch and win the game. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> I, I'm not ready. I'm talking about it right now, and there, <laughs> I can't do this. We need to move on. We need to change the subject. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> anyway, back to Halo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't leave Kratos alone, man. Fuck that. I, I, I'm not ready to. I, uh. Man, tears when that happens. <laughs> I'm calling it now. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I, I I close the article out. I could pull it back up, but I'm eh, whatever. I thought I read it on there that it said uh, they were gonna bring. Uh, co-op and multiplayer split screen back in Halo Infinite. So I hope so. That's that's cool. That's cool. I think split screen will be a good topic one day to discuss. If we haven't, I don't, mm. I don't, I don't think we have. I don't think we've discussed multiplayer. In we've that. touched on it, but not in depth. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, but that that's cool. As far as me, what I'm interested in, I mean, I don't know if Halo Infinite is supposed to be a direct sequel to anything. Period until I see enough facts to support that it is. But even then, Halo 4 was the last that I played, and I've heard middling things about Halo 5, so I'm kind of shrugged shoulders mm-hmm. about Halo 5. So if this was a direct sequel, I, it would, I'd have to go back and play 5 anyway. So what am I looking for? I don't know, man. I don't know if I even really care. It's, I've, been, I've been tapped out of the Halo world for way too long. Uh, it would take a lot for me to get back into it. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, let's see. Cyberpunk 2077 won't be playable at E3, but new gameplay will be shown. This is a GameSpot article. This is interesting. This is good to know. Because yeah. um, that trailer won a lot of people over, especially me. Oh, well, sorry, including me. Uh, that trailer, Chris, where they kept showing like, okay, 
I know I said it back then, but I'm bringing it up again because I love the way that trailer was done. When you tell somebody you are doing, and I, I'm not saying that Cyberpunk is strict is, is an open world game. I'm just I mean as far as the scale of an open world game, multiple cities, multiple countries, multiple areas, whatever. When you tell somebody that it's going to be an open world game and then you go from shot to shot to shot to shot and it's people in a room, people down the street, people in a building, people in the subway, people in a room, that, I'm thinking like maybe a Grand Theft Auto 4 trailer, you know, that's sure. interesting. That's okay. You're showing off what life is like in different areas of the same game. I get it. But that doesn't truly encapsulate variety in an open world area. That trailer definitely did. Because there was moment to another moment. Completely different feel, tone to the next moment. And then they showed another moment. Completely different time, frame, tone, feel, characters, everything. And they showed another moment. Complete, repeat, repeat, repeat. That was intriguing. That telling somebody that you're going to be able to play something where you're going to walk down the block and you're going to be you're going to have a completely different look. You're going to talk to another person in another city and have a completely different something go on that's way outside of what you're what you're what you were just involved with. That's awesome. So. It, it's it's good. I, I I won't be at E3 2019, so a playable demo there, <laughs> a playable <laughs> demo not being there doesn't necessarily hurt my feelings. All that means to me is I'm not going to have my my favored content creators go and play the game and come back and give a two hour synopsis. But there will be a trailer hopefully or with some gameplay. And I'll get to see that and not only hear them talk about it, but get to watch it and make my own opinions as well. So I'll take something over nothing. I promise you. What do you think about Cyberpunk 2077, Chris? Where do you stand? Are you, how anticipated are you for this? I'm, I'd say I'm pretty neutral mm-hmm. about it as a whole. Um, it does have some interesting mechanics to it, and I'm really curious to see how they play out, you know, in a real situation, you know, not a demo uh, setup. <laughs> as as we recently learned, um, not that we didn't have a general idea before, but as we uh, had expanded on for us in the God of War documentary, you know, planning for a trailer like that, that's uh, very precise, yes. you know, oftentimes. Um, so a, even a playable demo... It's kind of, okay, sure. Um, until it's in my hands, we'll see. Yep. And that's fine, you know. I I don't have any stake in the, um, in the role, the tabletop role-playing thing. So I don't, you know, I can't really, can't really speak to that. But I can speak to what I saw. And what I saw was interesting, so... We'll see. We'll see where it goes. Um, yeah, man. Thanks for bringing up God of War again. Damn it. Making me think of Corey Barlog <laughs> sitting there freaking in tears when he realizes his game is is winning people over. Ah, Chris, you suck. Uh, 
2013, I'm sorry, 2019's E3 is supposed to be way different than any of the E3s we've seen in the past. I didn't go into this article and read all the details. That that title alone is interesting. All I'll say is this. Hmm. When it comes to Sony, don't get on stage and have one dude playing a fucking violin. I don't want to see that shit anymore. Don't, well, Sony's don't. not there. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess uh, I guess I don't have to worry about that, do I? <laughs> that that echoes I, throughout any any E three yeah you know I, I suspect we'll see a state of play type thing for the rest of their stuff so. yeah uh good bad who who knows uh news interesting thing here The Last of Us Two Death Stranding and Ghost of Tsushima is still bound for PlayStation Four. That's good yeah, to know. I saw that. That's good to know. That's definitely good to know for Ghost of Tsushima, because that was very interesting. I would, probably would probably going to get that, and it's good to know that I don't have to wait till the next gen to come out. Yeah, uh, a little bit. And Last the, of Us too. I, okay, Last of Us, sure. Yeah, one of the things with that though is that that's not necessarily a bad thing either, because of how much. Uh, Sony has been touting backwards compatibility. Yep. So I, what I'm hoping we'll see is the games launch for PS4. They'll be backwards compatible to PS5. And then you load them up on PS5 and just what you have from four, putting it on five is that, you know, night and day difference. Like they showed in the Spider-Man demo, Mm -hmm. you know, the game looks great, better loads, faster. All these things are there. uh, When you, cross it over speaking of e3 just for, to remind uh myself and the audience as well uh so we're gonna see uh we're gonna see all this content on in june it's gonna be tuesday june 11th through thursday june the 13th so just mark those well that's down. the main e3 well the main yeah the conferences are before that yeah Let me see. I think that's all the crap that I found. Uh, I posted all the stuff here as well because I know there was some stuff you wanted to jive in on. Uh, Sorry. The Senate bill for banning pay-to-win and loot boxes in games that target minors. Yeah, so this actually, I had this on my list last week, but we didn't talk about it. Um but we didn't have a lot of information on it at the time. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of a thing that was out there. But in this past week, there is actually the uh, bill. You can read the, you know, because all those are published um, as they should be or required to be. I don't even know. I think they're required to be um, at least somewhere. Uh, you can go in and read the legal text behind it. And I did. So I skimmed it uh, a bit. It's very dry reading, of course, mm-hmm. um, reading a, bi- yeah. <laughs> a proposed bill um, <laughs> or a bill that will be proposed. Um, so the purpose of this is to really focus on minors that, you know, are tempted to spend their parents' money. I, mm. I don't. It's. I, I understand the premise as a whole, but the targeting minors part is a interesting 
concept because miners can't purchase them themselves typically. You know, mm-hmm. something you have to have a parent do. And so it is what it is. Um, but there's also the, I was reading some more, uh, an article that actually had, you know, uh, a conversation with the author of the bill, uh, or at least the representative of it. And he made a comment about trying to uh, get away from the addiction. There's a word for it. It has addiction in it. Uh, I guess you say a phrase that has addiction in it. Um, This addiction formula that they're using to, you know, keep people coming back you know, gambling essentially mm-hmm. um, and wanting to make sure that minors aren't exposed to that type thing. Yeah. Um, I really do like that the focus is on pay to win and loot boxes. Um, it's not impacting general cosmetic uh, microtransactions or microtransactions in general. It's a very specific target and there are specific definitions for what qualifies. So they are kind of broad and would encompass a lot of things. Yeah. Um, pretty much any game that has a core audience or targets a core audience of under 18 falls into this bracket. So um, Fortnite, for example, you know. Uh, and I was trying to think of what games would actually fall under this. Fortnite, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's targeted towards minors. Uh, Overwatch, though, isn't, I don't think. I think that's more targeted towards adults. So perhaps Overwatch would be excluded from this. Um, I, I I wonder if someone's done a breakdown. That'd be a really good uh, thing to find and look into. Um, but overall, looking at the bill and reading through what I did, I'm totally fine with this. I saw no issues with it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, it it seems like there's a maybe a bit of confusion to everyone. Like, so what? So what's the problem here? Is it the fact that it's loot boxes, or the fact that you're targeting minors, or the fact that you're targeting gambling? It's it's a combination of all of them because that's 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 yes. what this stuff does. You know, this is. From from the top, from a gamer's perspective, you're just giving people the you're giving people the ability just to pay to win. Okay, that's fine, but you're making the game geared toward where look, man, you can play this game for seven months and go from level one to level two, or you can just pay me twenty bucks and I'll get you there right now. I'm not a fan of that period, uh, and I realize this is so much into this, Chris. So much because then it's like, well, nobody's telling you to play the game. That's true. But mm. if you really invested in the series or you're really invested in the game, period, it's there. And yes, targeting minors is a thing because you are potentially gearing them to think this way, to feel this way, to be. It's gambling. <laughs> it's a sit. It's gambling. And that's. Yeah. I mean, there's a legal age for gambling, folks. Yeah. M- more to come from this, hopefully. Uh, did, did it say if this is going through or? Uh, I believe it's just been proposed. I mean, it has a long way, of yeah. course. You know, yeah. any sort of thing. Um, but it's just a bill right now. A proposed Senate bill. 
Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else? Sonic pushed back to two. Oh, that we just did that one. Yep. And next Call of Duty is called Modern Warfare. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so the first one was Call of Duty Four: Modern Warfare. Now we're just getting Call of Duty: Modern Warfare. Hmm. <laughs> so I'm I, I would assume that that means it's going to be outside of the series we already know. I'm guessing this is not um, a remake of the first one because we've already had a remake of Modern Warfare One or a remaster, I guess. Well, if I could find where I had the article pulled up. Um, I guess I'll pull it back up. I think it is a, it's a fresh start, but it's not a, it's, it's a soft reboot. That's the word they used. Oh, okay. Soft reboot. So it won't be too different, but it won't follow the same story is what I interpret that as. Yeah. Well. I'm still waiting for my Modern Warfare 2 remaster. (laughs) It's about where my Call of Duty mind is at. I mean, maybe this Modern Warfare will uh, scratch that itch for you. Maybe. Maybe. Give you something new to look forward to instead of just a uh, remaster. Yep. Any other other tidbits before we get into our weeks? Um... So, something I saw on, and I haven't played it yet, but on MTG Arena, Magic the Gathering Arena, there's actually some sort of story mode that you can play for at least part of the latest uh, expansion. Because this, I mentioned before, there's a ton of lore and stuff, story behind this expansion. And, you know, all, all the expansions with this one in particular has an amazing cinematic, and there's a lot of uh, emotional moments just in that alone so a full-blown story which i don't know how this is going to play out in the arena client but it's interesting um i'm curious to see where it goes i saw someone earlier say it wasn't good but i'm gonna see for myself um there was something else that i did not write down because i just saw it uh and i lost it well, uh, I have it on good authority. We have more episodes to come, so <laughs> maybe maybe if it's if it's good or important enough, we'll catch it in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh all right. Well, let's roll into our weeks. I believe it's my turn. Did I get it right? Well, think- it, it's technically it would be, but you went first last week because I was stuffing my face. Ah, um, okay. So to alternate, I would go first this week. Go right ahead. All right. So jumping into TV stuff, I watched or finished watching uh, season two of Gotham. Um, Thank goodness, because I was going to ask you about that. Is So season two is <laughs> finished, right? Yeah. Four seasons are out right now on Netflix. Okay. okay. Um, I didn't start season three. I was really tempted, but I was like, because season two, the way it ends, it's it's not so much of a like just straight up cliffhanger, but it's a very, very well done setup for everything that comes after it. 
So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, let me just play the next episode just like it's the middle of a season, you know? I don't feel like I'm done. I don't feel like this is a finale. <laughs> yeah. This this arc is just getting started um, type thing. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a inter- it's a bit of a roller coaster of a season. Um, not in terms of quality, but in terms of things that are happening. You're like, okay, well, I see where this is going. And then it changes a bit and changes a bit and things happen that you don't expect. And overall, what you expected to happen, you know, generally happens. But it's like, huh. Well, I wasn't quite expecting that. Okay. <laughs> and now they've set up multiple seasons worth of content from oh, wow. this season. Um, and and you know season, at a minimum well you know right now at a minimum you have two more seasons to go but there's right. multiple beyond that oh man that's that's good I mean they're set up for it I don't know how many are in the works or what's planned but they certainly have the material I mean if you look at Batman as a whole there are a lot of characters a lot of oh, villains yeah. there's a oh, lot yeah. of things they can go into um and they are hitting a lot of points. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I think, something they've done very well is making Gotham be such a living place. You know, you see the impact of actions. You know, a character is seen on the news, and that character impacts Gotham as a whole. And you see people emulating that character afterwards. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, this is interesting. And it has you thinking, well, I know how this character is in Batman, but that's not what they did here. You know, how how do they get from here to Batman villain version? You know, it's like, is this... Because typically... So something they're really good about is not changing a character as far as what they are, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm not going to get any specifics because I do not want to spoil anything about this because I want everybody that's listening to go watch it. Yes. Um, but I feel like every character they've shown, maybe not at first because we're seeing their origins essentially, maybe not at first doesn't match or they don't match at first when you see them. But as the thing progresses, you're like, okay, that person is now a Batman villain as we know it. Mm-hmm. They have progressed from A to be we saw that arc that growth whatever you want to call it that happened and they just keep doing that we keep seeing it and it's so well done um we're getting more and more uh with bruce wayne as well you know he's still just like 11 years old at this point 12 maybe Mm -hmm. so this is he's nowhere near batman yet Mm -hmm. so we're seeing bruce wayne and I mean, as I've said before, Alfred, I think he's probably still my favorite character of the series. Hmm. That dude's badass. <laughs> um, I mean, if you're going to be the butler for Batman, you probably need to be. And I think we saw it. We've seen that over Batman, you know, in general. But yeah, um, this is such a great portrayal of Alfred. Mm-hmm. Um, his relationship with Bruce, um, you know, he is his caretaker. And yeah, it's because, you know, the whole time you're like, okay, well, Bruce becomes Batman. We know this. That's, that's a fact, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Unless they completely, you know, this is not Batman after all, but 
as far as we know, <laughs> yeah. they're following everything else to be like Batman is as we know it. Um, so everything that Bruce Wayne and Alfred does is a step towards Batman. You know, you see defining moments in Bruce Wayne's childhood that leads him to be the person that Batman is underneath the mask. You know, the decisions that Batman makes in the future, you can see how these moments are defining him to make those decisions. Yeah. You know, and it's, man, it's so good. Um, that's, that's all I watched TV wise other than Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Um, this was more of a, uh, gaming week for me. So I finished up Super Mario RPG. Um, I mentioned last week that took me 14 hours to get to the final boss and then die. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it took me 45 minutes to finish the game. In my next session, so a total of uh, 15 hours probably mm-hmm. um, to beat the game. And that's without doing a lot of side content. And it was, yeah, it was fun. I really enjoyed the game. Um, we talked a lot about the mechanics last week, so I'm not going to rehash that. But it's, yeah, it's, it generally felt good to play. You know, which is always good for a game, especially an RPG, because RPGs a lot of times are kind of cookie cutter or, you know, they may have mechanics that aren't cookie cutter, but that doesn't mean you like them. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so Super Mario RPG had a it's an instance of getting away from the norm in a good way, doing yeah. things new in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, I recommend it for people that, you know, like RPGs and haven't ever played it. Go give it a shot. Uh, It's also on the uh, classic, so that's a really easy way to play it. And several other (laughs) really good games. Uh, So you can't go wrong there. It's also great Um, hearing you say all this because it, as I think I mentioned this last time too, but the audience gets to know that this game holds up. You know, yeah. uh, this, this is an RPG really on the SNES and it holds up. So here in 2019, with the plethora and myriad of other RPGs we have out there, we've gone back all the way to the Super Nintendo era and have a game that, yeah, holds up today. That's awesome. That's great to know, man. So after finishing that, I was kind of at a loss of what to play. I was thinking about going to Mario 3. I talked about this before. It was one of my contenders um, before I started Super Mario RPG. But I was like, you know what? There's there's more to Mario than, you know, just the old games. Um, RPG was an example of, you know, getting out of the norm for Mario. So I thought, you know, let's, let's continue progressing. Um, and I loaded up Super Mario 64. Okay. <laughs> now, right. we, we've talked about emulation and stuff before. I have to say that Nintendo 64 is some of the most annoying emulation to configure. Oh, and really? Super Mario 64 in particular, it was a pain. Wow. I spent 
I spent probably a good 30 minutes getting this set up, um, just to test getting, uh, which I bought, uh, a, uh, adapter so I could plug my actual 64 controller into an adapter for USB to my computer. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I'm not going to hook up my 64. I'm sorry, but I don't feel like getting all the converters and stuff because I'm playing on a monitor that lands HDMI, et cetera. I'm not dealing with that right now. So I was like, you know, I'll play on an emulator with my original controller, um, which, <laughs> as an aside, it's old, and it's been sitting just basically in storage, so the thumbstick did not feel great. Um, so I'd also, when I ordered the adapter, I also ordered just a straight-up USB 64, you know, uh, controller, which the joystick felt much better. And I didn't, aside from the joystick feel between the physical controllers, I saw no difference in gameplay. So some people, I mean, the Super Mario 64 speedrun community, I, w- I actually followed their guide to get the emulator set up. When I first started trying to do it and was having some problems and things weren't working, I was like, all right, let me find a guide. And the speedrunning community community is absolutely the best place to go for that. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate their hard work. But when it comes down to controller configuration and setup, they're like, you will have this, this, and this configured. And these are the only two options you should even consider for a controller for this game. <laughs> wow. And yeah, they're very like, they're very uh, anal for lack of a better word about, what controller you should be using to speed run this game because of how precise it is. Well, of course, you know, that's not unusual. Uh, You also should be playing on a CRT, for example. I'm obviously not doing that, Mm -hmm. but, um, and I also wasn't speed running. So it was, you know, a little bit of good information for me, but overall not a big deal. Uh, But yeah, so I spent about 30 minutes, even with these guides trying to get it set up, and I had a problem like my audio was out of sync. And so I found an option in the uh, in the emulator configuration to add a setting that seemed to sync it better. And then later on, come to find out, that setting caused my game to crash in a particular level over and over. Wow. So I had to stop playing <laughs> and spend about 10 minutes uh, doing some very basic troubleshooting while I'm trying to stream. Um, and I'm like, all right, if it doesn't work, then, you know, I'll just call the stream and we'll pick up something else or we'll pick up with this uh, after I fix it. But I, I was like, all right, well, let me uncheck the setting that I checked. This is the literal only difference between my setup and what the speedrunning guide says to do. So let me uncheck it. It worked. And my audio never got out of sync. So it must have been just like a uh, OBS thing or capture card thing. I don't know. Um, but it was a pain to set up. And funny enough, I had... I played the game off stream for about two hours that night. I was getting configured and testing things. And it wasn't until the very end of that two hours that I realized, oh, my C buttons don't work. So (laughs) I had played for two hours without being able to adjust my camera. I just thought I was at basically I only did early game stuff, you know, the first 10 stars or so Mm -hmm. and which are very quick. And I never really cared about changing the camera angle. Um, cause you don't really need to in the early levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was just kind of a thing. Nope. Didn't realize until I needed to look up and, uh, you know, the entry to go get the, uh, sky cap. 
<laughs> the flying cap, whatever you want to call it. And I was like, wow. I can't look up. What am I pressing the right button? I pull up. I actually had it up already. I went back to my reference for the controls so I could make sure that uh, I knew what all the different varying jumps were. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, C buttons are camera. Okay, well, it's obviously not working. So <laughs> let me go back to the emulator and configure this and finally got it working. Um, so, yeah, it's man, what a horrible emulation. The 64 is not a good emulated thing, which I talked about a little bit before and I need to down I need to find a uh a new ROM or my old ROM for a Wetrix, which has never worked on a 64 emulator as far as I'm aware and see if it works now. Um because they're still updating the emulators, you know. They're still yeah. getting updates. This goes for most systems. Um they gradually make updates, new ones come out and stuff like that. So um I'm really curious to see how far it's progressed. But yeah. Aside from that, I don't think I'll be doing any 64 emulation for a while. <laughs> I think I'll I mean, just skip over that. We can definitely side tangent for half a minute because I, I I had trouble here and there with N64 emulation as well, and but mostly for mine, uh, because I used either an Xbox 360 controller or an Xbox One controller for the controller. That part I don't remember ever really having problems with. Mm-hmm. I had two analog sticks and really only needed one, but I would change the other one. I made my right analog stick into my C stick, which just yeah. changes the analog to a D-pad. It is what it is. But what I found is that I couldn't find proper emulation for a couple games. So it just made a couple games nigh unplayable. And, uh, and they were really for me they were high profile games like one of them was uh pokemon snap it would not yeah. i think it like it either would not put a reticle on screen or the reticle wouldn't work properly or something and i mean you have to have the reticle on you have to have it working properly so you can snap the damn pictures and i could never get it to work and i tried multiple roms and i tried all the usual shit to try to fix it and i this was also several years ago so this may be something that has been long since fixed but i don't know and the other one was yoshi's island i'm sorry yoshi's story which yeah i know it's, it's six levels it's baby easy i get it but that game that look was so charming and i i'm i really wanted to play that one as just like you said as opposed to hooking up all my shit back in again and uh yeah i could never get it to work and side side tangent uh i forgot to mention a few weeks ago one of the games that i did play for the uh switch trust me i'm gonna segue this there's a new yoshi game for the nintendo switch uh, as I'm trying to make sure I got the actual name correct, because good lord, there's so many Yoshi games out these days. Um, Yoshi's Crafted World, I think it is. Yes, Yoshi's Crafted World. I do have that. And I did play it. I got a few levels in. I want to say this is something I've noticed. I, this is something I miss from a game just like Yoshi's Story, is that I don't know when in the Yoshi universe they they degraded the music to be someone that can't play music playing through musical instruments i get what they're going for you know it's it's not precise music because maybe maybe a young person's playing through it i don't know but 
I miss the music from Yoshi's story a lot. And I wish that that type of music was what carried over into the future. And instead, it's that kind of music, but toned way down. It just has this off-put sound to it that I don't I don't like. So when I really want like a 3D looking Yoshi game, I go back to Yoshi's story. Mm. But it sucks because Yoshi's story again is like six levels long. Uh you have to replay yeah. through them on different levels and I mean it's it, I've always liked it. I just wish there was more of it. So I feel you 64 yeah. emulation is not the greatest, but it's 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 kind of all you got. <laughs> And if you weren't using it when you tried, um, Project 64 seems to be the go-to right now. Um, That's what I one use. One of the primary emulators. But there are a lot of uh, different plugins you can get for like graphics and controller and all that. So there are certain combinations that work with certain games is what I've come to learn. Um, yeah. I just did a quick Google of Pokemon Snap and I found lots of articles, lots of results. Does it work? How do you get it to work? So, um, <laughs> but all of them have all of them ultimately say yes, it works. You just have to go and do this if you're yeah. doing this. So, there is hope. <laughs> there is. Um, Thank God. Yeah, but back on Super Mario 64. So I did my testing um, and then started up actually the real playthrough of it. Um, and the um, I really like this game. Uh, Super Mario 64, that was actually our game of the year for 96. Yep. Um, it beat out Super Mario RPG barely. <laughs> um, or not Super Mario RPG, uh, Super Mario World. I, wait, what? RPG? Which one? I just went completely blank. Uh... And we'll just cut that part. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you keep on and I'll, 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 I'll okay. do the homework on this end. Yeah, but it was a uh, it was a real blast from the past. And my history of Super uh, Mario 64 is that I did not own a 64. So I did not own the game for until I was an adult, essentially. Mm -hmm. So playing it over at a friend's house, I only got to get a certain amount into the game because, you know, in between times going over to his house, you know, saves would be deleted, restarted, etc. You know, as kids do. Um, so I never got to see a lot of the game, maybe probably the first five worlds, mm -hmm. basically the main floor plus the first Bowser fight yeah. are what I got to experience. Um, and so playing through this, I got through that part really fast. That's, <laughs> um, let me, uh. So ten and a half hours for me to beat the game, mm -hmm. and that's not getting everything, of course. Mm -hmm. But that's that was my completion time. So it only took me, you know, probably an hour, hour and a half to go through a lot of the early areas because I already knew what to do, especially with having done the testing in the first couple of levels. I was already ahead of the curve. Um, but it was yeah, loads of fun to jump around as Mario. Uh, I. Man, I cannot see myself grinding out every star in the game <laughs> because I got frustrated just trying to get the last few for 70, um, which is the minimum you need to beat the game. And that was with watching, you know, I've watched speedruns of 64, so there's not a whole lot of, um, you know, things I hadn't seen at that point that are in the speedruns at least. 
Um, but I also wasn't doing speedrun strats. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there were quite a few levels. And this is, this is something I talked about with Super Mario World as well. It's a game that isn't very difficult to start with, you know? It's one of those things where you start the game, it's like, yeah, jump, 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 all right, you're good. And later on, it's like, all right, jump on this enemy, jump on this enemy, you know, this precise platforming. And I got to say, in the probably later half of the game, um, just broadly speaking, maybe after, say, 50 stars, the camera really starts to be your enemy. And... Um, it, there are a lot of times where the camera doesn't quite go where you want it, so you can't quite get those good angles for jumps. So you're kind of like, well, I think this is diagonal from me <laughs> at this angle. You know, it's not right, it's not down, it's not even a direct, you know, 45 degree in between. This is, oh, I think this is like 20 degrees down. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, let me get that precise thing and then to like barely clip the platform I'm jumping to, that's like three inches away. It's not a big jump. It's a very small jump, actually, and I can overshoot it, but overshooting it isn't a problem because I just completely missed the platform. Mm, yeah. That's right there. Um, so it gets to be very frustrating. Um, so while the game holds up graphically and overall, you know, theme and story, etc., cetera, uh, the gameplay gets rough. It's not... It's not as smooth controls as, you know, modern platformers, especially in the 3D space, have. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think it's quite aged as well as, you know, Mario World or RPG. The RPG is obviously a different type of game. Mm -hmm. But um, I think this is the first Mario game where the age didn't age quite as well. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, the last time I played this one was... Uh, I want to say three, four years ago, and I think I did a, a 120 run. Most of the time, I do 120 runs. I I I fall into this game every time, and hmm. uh, it's hard to say uh, because back when I last played it, I I thought it controlled just fine. But you may be right. Uh, platformers have evolved. They've all. Controls get tighter. Controls get better. I mean, my God, go play Hollow Knight and come back and tell me how the controls feel to you. And that's a 2D platformer. Uh, so I can't really make the same same justification here. But platformers mm. do grow over time. I do agree with that. And you'll find the more platformers you play, there are platformers that control good, but they control good the way they control. Um, yeah. You know, you'll, you'll, games that have, okay, when I jump, I hop up and I fall down. There are games where when I jump, I, I jump up and kind of have a little bit of float at the top. There are games where you kind of float up and you kind of float down. You know, it's it, 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 so many so many varieties. And you will actually find that you prefer some games just because of the way they control, the way they jump, yeah. you know. And I think, I think the biggest issue with 64 is really the camera. Because if I could have yeah. lined up jumps better, then it would have been okay. Um, but overall, it was it was pretty rough um, yeah. with some of the jumps that requires later on. It's a digital camera, dude. So it's 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 gonna happen that way. You know, you have cameras yeah. today where your stick controls the camera. So 
mm-hmm. where do you want it how do you want to position it as opposed to this where it's you got four states buddy aside yep. from up and down if that <laughs> yeah if that so good luck yeah i i, I can see that being point um and uh michael's homework shows that uh super mario rpg legend of the seven stars came out march 9th 1996 and super mario 64 came out june 23rd 1996 yeah. so just a few months after that's uh that's crazy yep. I will say I'll I'll say this whether Mario 64 aged like the best of the best as far as a first foray into the 3D world Mario 64 holy shit what a what a testament you know I mm-hmm. think it I think oh, they yeah, kicked, I think they kicked the door open extremely well just sucks they only had yeah. one stick you know they had <laughs> fucking c-pad <laughs> wasn't exactly it was a substitute but uh... <laughs> yeah, and it's by no means a bad game yeah you know i'm not saying that in any case like i said it was our game of the year mm-hmm. so um and it deserves it you know for what it did it's just there are a couple things <laughs> would be nice to have different yeah but it is what it is um i still enjoyed the game it just there's a difficulty spike that the uh, controls make even harder than it needs to be. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to think. As, as I played through, and like I said, I played the first kind of floor, that main area, a lot as a kid. So none of that was real surprising. Um, so most of those stars were pretty straightforward. But then it got into the, you know, puzzles. Not, not even the puzzles, but the... Uh, I guess it is puzzle the hunting and trying to find uh, things and like okay well you know there are mechanics you learn and that's fine. Um, and I don't even mind you know like uh, learning how to deal with the booze. That was the big hurdle <laughs> for several minutes. It's like okay, I keep getting hit by the booze because I keep missing. So I needed <laughs> you know safer strategies, etc. And that's kind of one of the things where the controls were were not working with me because mm-hmm. it's like okay i'm facing the boo i'm gonna punch and or i'm gonna you know turn and punch real quick and i get like 90 percent of my turn and then it stops and i punch instead of all the way around and it should have hit but it's like okay well i guess that's not the hitbox um type thing um and you know what like pretty much any mario game Screw swimming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> swimming is yeah. so miserable. Uh, <laughs> Mario's, I actually, Mario's like, dude, come on, man. Come on. Yeah, I actually skipped the water level until I absolutely had to for more stars. <laughs> wow. I was like, okay, yep, I see that. That's a water level. We're not going to do that right now. We're going to go play everything else I can until I need those stars to progress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or I think those stars are, you know, worth putting up with the water to make it easier than this other level I don't want to play. You, Looking at you, lava level. You know what? The music makes it all right. <laughs> it's got it's got it's got good music to it. Sure. Uh, yeah, man. Mario sixty four is a great game. It's it's oh, it's so fun. I'd, I'd hate to mm-hmm. just rehash an entire freaking game of the year uh, speech, but that's that's about the long and short of it. It 
it's good. And anyway, yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what would make Mario 64 even better. Um, well, I wouldn't say make the original game better. What I think something we need, something we deserve is a good remake, you know, with upgrade, with updated graphics. There, there was a level, um, let's see, Mario Galaxy, I think it was two. Um, there was a Mario 64 kind of tribute level. I think there was an entire planet. The yeah, the throwback galaxy is what it was called. Yeah, yeah. that. I mean that that's awesome. So what we need, uh, uh, take okay. So take away the we the the nunchuck. Take away all that. We don't need that. <laughs> Put it on the. Uh, I think the switch has dual analog sticks. So there you go. Um, and it's been done. Uh, the Mario 64 has had a remake. I, I get that, but I'm talking like modern today graphics update, not just on a portable 3DS system. Uh, get, yeah, and that wasn't good anyway. I played it. Yeah, I've I've heard so many polarizing reviews about that game. Like apparently the controls and still the camera, and just, mm-hmm. just I don't know. No, but just uh, audience, if you haven't played Mario Galaxy Two, just YouTube uh, th- uh, Mario Galaxy Two Throwback Galaxy. They take uh, they take one of the levels from Mario sixty four and they do it in a Mar- uh, Mario Galaxy graphics theme, and it's done super well. The music's there. Uh, it's just super updated graphics and controls, and that's I would like to see this whole entire game get that. With the caveat of you know, d- take away the motion control, take away the nunchuck, and all that. You just, just have me have have it to where we can control the camera with a stick, and that's it. You're good. That's all we need. Yeah. Um, I think it deserves. Yeah, really. It. I just <laughs> that would be that that awesome. That would be awesome. That's yeah. the kind of remake you need. And you know what? Hey, go crazy, Nintendo. Add three or four more paintings. You know, add more levels. That's f- I'm fine with that too. You know. Oh yeah. But. Take this entire game and all its 120 stars. Add 80 more stars and make 200 flat. There you go. That's what I want. <laughs> you have now sold yeah. the the Switch to more people or the next console. You know, fuck it, whatever. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'm gonna go for the 120. Um, it's. I was getting too frustrated, and I think at that point I would end up looking at guides, which kind of takes the fun out of it, mm-hmm. um, just to do it for completion's sake. So. Maybe I'll come back to it sometime if I'm bored, you know, hold on to my save as long as it doesn't get deleted in emulator world. Yeah, um, man, it took several playthroughs, even in my 64 lifetime to finally go, OK, I'm going to do the 120 stars. And I think I've done it two or three times. It's not it's not a requirement. That game is fun all the way through. You get three or four stars for every level ish and you get a good feel of everything Mario 64 has to offer you. You're fine. Yeah. Um, something I did want to bring up after I finished that game. I say finished. I beat the game. <laughs> um, even though there is more I can do, only took me ten and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was with quite a bit of struggling at, for a large portion of the game. I think the first 50-something stars took me like five hours and then the other five hours is getting like another 20 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely a bit, like I said, a curve. Um, but 10 and a half hours, you know, we complain now 
oftentimes about how short games are. But really, back then, there were a lot of short games that were really good. Yeah. Um, Super Mario RPG, only 15 hours. Mm-hmm. For an RPG, mm-hmm. that's pretty low. Mm-hmm. Even without doing side stuff, that's still pretty low yep. um, by today's standards. So it kind of was, you know, putting things into perspective a little bit, if you will. You know, we don't have to have a 90-hour RPG to have an RPG we can love, or game in general. I just won't limit it to RPG. Yeah. Um, it is nice when we have a persona that, you know, we can drop into and spend 100 hours on because we want to. Um, and <laughs> what, like 60 just to beat anyway mm-hmm. without worrying about 100%ing and all that? Yep. Um, that's nice, but that's not required. And I think that's something, you know, to keep in mind when, you know, a game comes out and it's like, oh, it's only 10 hours. Well, was it a good 10 hours? Quality over quantity. <laughs> if so, man. then, yeah, exactly. Um, so after finishing Super Mario 64, I... Played Mario is Missing. No, I actually looked at it. I was, I was tempted to play it just to, so I could tell you, yes, I did play it. Um, <laughs> but I don't even know if I could find it right now. I, I haven't looked into it, but I got to thinking and you know i was like well is it time to go back to mario 3 because i think mario 3 is really the only old school mario that i still care to play right now um because one and two are what they are uh, i've never played two i don't think but at least one is you know one that's basic mario um and i played it some of it not too long ago when i got the uh, classic um, but three is kind of the one I'm, I'm thinking I'm probably going to go back to eventually. Um, but there is another Mario game that I started, but did not finish. So I decided I should fix that. And that is Mario plus rabbits oh, on the yeah. switch. Mm-hmm. Um, I loaded up my save and it said I was at three dash six, um, which is a good way through the game. Uh, I've, I'm, I think I'm now up to four, six <laughs> or something like that around there. So I've done a, almost exactly one world's worth of content. Um, I did that yesterday. Uh, so Mario plus Rabbids is a different sort of game. Uh, for those that aren't aware, uh, it's a turn-based, uh, tactical uh, game mm-hmm. uh, similar to XCOM and games like that. That's basically it. Mario XCOM is how it's described. Uh, XCOM being a amazing strategy uh, turn-based game. Uh, Mario plus Rabbids combines the Mario universe with the Rabbids, which if you've never heard of Rabbids before or seen a game <laughs> therein, you're missing out. Um, it's very amusing. Um, Sometimes cutesy, sometimes a very adult-like humor, uh, depending <laughs> on uh, the context. Uh, but it's a and it was a very interesting concept and combination when it was announced. Uh, I believe this was an E3 announcement when they did that. Um, but it's a fun game. It is a simplified version, uh, mechanics-wise. XCOM is known for its terrible uh, hit percentages where, you know, you miss a 90% shot or a 99% shot, yep, you got XCOM'd because that's the XCOM RNG. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to miss shots you think you can make 
almost every time. Yep. <laughs> um, Mario plus Rabbids simplifies it to uh, you either have zero, 50, or 100% chances. There are no in-betweens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's very straightforward what your percentage is. If they're out in the open, you have a 100% chance. If they're behind half cover, 50%. Behind full cover, 100%. And, or behind cover, 0%, sorry. And if you take the shot anyway, um, at least on the 0%, you'll hit... I think there's a percentage chance to hit the cover or to hit the ground next to the cover. And I think it might depend on what cover they're behind. But you can shoot at them and it'll break their cover. And then your next shot, hey, you have a 100% shot because they're no longer behind cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have destructible cover and all that. And it it makes for uh, funner gameplay in some ways. Um, you can plan and actually execute you know, plans of attack that you expect to work. <laughs> If I shoot this guy, I have a 100% hit rate. I know it's going to hit. If he's behind cover, I can shoot it and maybe break it. You know, that's a bit of a gamble there. Um, but if he's 50%, I'm either going to hit him or the cover. If I hit the cover, okay, I break it. If I don't, hey, even better, I hit him. You know, hit the enemy. So it's a lot easier, um, which is obviously uh, targeted towards a younger audience anyway. Uh, at least by ESRB weight, ESRB rating and whatnot, um, which I have, I expressed my concerns over that before when you have uh, boob guns in the game. Uh, not a very child-friendly thing. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, I think it's pretty above board when it comes to uh, adult themes. Uh, but... Uh, and that's just the in-combat gameplay. Um, XCOM, you kind of have your base, and then the uh, you just go into straight into combat, you know, straight into your maps and whatnot. With Mario Plus Rabbids, you're actually wandering around a area, a world, a level. And where, like I said, I'm at 4-6, or I was at 3-6 when I loaded up, that means I'm at the sixth battle in this world which is all one big level where everything's connected. The only time you, you know, quote unquote zone out typically is when you go back to the little overworld area you have, your hub um, that connects all the worlds together. There are a couple of places where you transition, but you're still, it's still connected. Um, It's not like going from Mm -hmm. level to level in a traditional Mario game. Um, It's, very much a thing and there are puzzles there are secrets to find um especially the further you get in the game the more convoluted the puzzles get um let's see um i recall last time i played i had a lot of issues around the part where i left off it was starting to scale up in difficulty but this last world hasn't been too bad I don't know if that's because I'm just playing better and smarter or if the kind of spike mm-hmm. difficulty earlier and then the spike, you know, I'm on the decline of the spike now. Um, but I think I'm almost done with the game unless they throw something I'm not expected uh, at me. There is DLC. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a solid game. 
if you like XCOM and you like Mario, <laughs> this is totally. And you're not a hardcore XCOM person. <laughs> if you're playing, if you're playing uh, Long War uh, Iron Man, probably not for you. But if you're a casual player of XCOM like me, or even you know, a a little bit more of a hardcore player than I am, then you'll probably find it fun, um, especially if you like Mario, because it's just a lot of silliness. Um, the story itself is silly. I mean, think about it. You're combining Mario and rabbits, <laughs> and there is a story reason gotta, why you know? these two universes have combined. <laughs> but there's a story reason that these worlds combine. So, yeah, it's a silly game. Um, but it's also fun. It's a nice, chill game. It doesn't have the stress of XCOM um, until Luigi dies over and over because he's a glass cannon. But that's, you know, besides the point. Um, each character, which I haven't even talked about that, I don't think, last time either. But each character has a skill set. Um, and there are two versions of each character. Uh, I think, well, of most characters, I'll say. Um, like there's a, there's Peach and there's Rabid Peach. <laughs> rabid Peach is a rabid with a peach wig and dress on. So you have different versions. There's a Luigi one, etc. Um, and each of them have different skills. Like Luigi is a sniper, which makes sense for him having low health, but it's still annoying. Um, but he is amazing for taking out or for outputting a lot of damage. Um, Oftentimes, one-shotting enemies, especially earlier in the game. Uh, later in the game, of course, things ramp up, so it's not as much. But uh, yeah, it's you have skill trees, and you can actually reset your skill points at any time. And I don't, re I think you don't lose anything when you do it either. So you go, okay, I'm not liking this build. You know, Luigi's too squishy. I'm gonna reset skill points, and the first thing I'm doing is I'm gonna max out all the all the options that raise his health. I'm going to make him less of a glass cannon and more of a, mm -hmm. you know, meteor sniper than he normally would be. Um, you want to turn Mario, like, the way I'm doing Mario is he is very much a get-in-their-face, which is typically bad in these games, but you can build around it. Get-in-their-face melee with Mario instead of shooting, which Mario with a gun, Luigi with a gun, I mean... Let's go back to the game being silly at that point. You got Mario with weapons like that. Um, <laughs> not just jumping on thing, enemies' heads. Though you can do that. You very much can jump on enemies and you will damage them. It's not as strong as your weapons, but uh, they're typically basically like free actions. Uh, you have dashes and jumps. Uh, I think Mario is the only one that can actually jump on an enemy head uh, that I've used personally. Um but you have to jump off one of your allies first, and you can jump off allies to move further than your normal movement would take you. So you can move up to the edge of your range, jump off Luigi's head, and go, you know, six more squares, or however many you've upgraded to. I think six is the max. Um, and if there's an enemy in that range, you can land on the enemy and then move away from them <laughs> up to, you know, whatever your upgrade, four or five squares. So you have these very complex high strategy moves you can make in this game that's mm. all being accomplished by very simple core mechanics you know you shoot you move um something that's nice about the game is you don't have to do things in a certain order 
you can move yeah. and then shoot, or you can shoot and then move. Where XCOM, once you shoot, you're done, <laughs> unless you have certain perks, etc. Um, but yeah, it's. I highly recommend the game. It's a lot of fun, um, especially if you have a Switch. You know, a question no that comes to mind: to get, the This is the first game I bought for my Switch. Between this and XCOM, it's a very obvious question. I know you know it's coming. If somebody wasn't uh, not well, not a fan, yeah. if they hadn't played XCOM. Uh, would you consider this to be a gateway to XCOM? Uh, yeah. As long as, uh, if you think Mario plus Rabbids is hard, maybe not. <laughs> Unless you want to play <laughs> XCOM on an easier difficulty, which you totally can. Um, yeah. I think the only time I beat XCOM 1 was actually on uh, easy. Or no, normal. Yeah, it was, I think I beat it on easy just so I could finally see the ending. Um, because XCOM is a very, very difficult and frustrating game. Um, even for people that have played it tons. Uh, like, I watch In Control. Uh, he's a old StarCraft pro. And he he did the uh, Command & Conquer mobile thing. He was one of the players for that at E3 or something last year. Um, which I enjoyed seeing him anyway. Um he plays Iron Man uh, XCOM 2 and with mods and stuff now, but that is one of the most frustrating things because you cannot reload saves. Um, or you can reload saves as in if, like, you, uh, you know, quit the game and come back to it, but if you die, you can't load the save. Mm. You're dead. And XCOM has permadeath in it already, so not being able to roll back, which is another way. I think that's how I finally beat it on normal was I was saves coming. I absolutely had to. If a fight went bad, all right, let's roll it back. Um, but there are players that do, you know, no save. Uh, Iron Man actually prevents it mechanically. You can work around it by doing some force quits. But in theory, you know, it forces you to not be able to save. Um, but yeah, if you like Mario plus Rabbids and you want to experience something like it, uh, or if Mario plus Rabbids was like too easy, as it kind of is, especially early on. XCOM throws you into it and says, hey, you're going to die. Um, so yeah, totally. Total gateway. Good. That's what I'm currently playing, so that's the end of my week. Awesome. All right, well, <clears throat> need to follow up that that awesomeness with some somberness, but okay, man, I just I've been thinking about this too much this week, and okay. uh, I I just need to go ahead and just talk about it and fucking hash it out and get out the way, and we'll just move on from it. So, uh, well, all right, let's get the non. Okay, let me pause. Let me get the non gaming stuff out. Uh, <laughs> my wife and I did get to go see John Wick three. Yeah, sorry for that roller coaster ride. People are like, what? 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 Uh, we did go see John Wick three. I did enjoy it. I think if I look at the John Wick movies that are out now in mm -hmm. a in a row, I love the first one. I love the I love everything about the first one. I, just, I love the tone. I love how it didn't take itself too seriously, but it was telling a serious story. Mm -hmm. I love the action in it, the choreography, the, the the choreography, all that stuff. The second one, I felt like they realized they saw or they knew what John Wick was. You know, like they knew what they had, and they tried to make make more of it if that makes any sense you know they they realized that john wick was super popular and super a thing so there was a lot of self 
referencing and and ends referencing and yeah i mean like at the, at the very beginning of the movie um john wick too like the guy is i think he's saying that the, the uh the guy that was killed was his nephew or his brother or something and he goes through telling him the same spiel that the guy in the first one did like you know john wick is a man of she real and yeah uh, he killed a man with a yeah yeah the pencil yeah we all heard the story and i'm like you're that i don't i, I just didn't like that i didn't like that tone it's like the movie was acting like it knew what the movie John Wick was and treating it like it was an afterthought. That's that's the best way I can put my words to it. Now the 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 uh, gun scenes and all the action in John Wick Two was very it was still very good. A uh, point of fact, uh, uh, realize should I ask it at the, at the top, Chris? Have you seen the John Wicks? I saw the first one. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure I saw the second one. Have okay. not seen the last one. Well, well, um, there's a scene in it that I, I particularly giggled at, but also thought was very awesome. So, uh, John, uh, uh, Keanu Reeves is John Wick and Common is, I forget his name, but he's another, uh, assassin and they're in a subway and they're trying to snipe each other, but they're trying to kill it. They're trying to just kill each other and be discreet about it. So John Wick is on the bottom level of the subway walking in a direction and Common is on a second floor of the subway walking the same direction. And they're both like popping quick silenced shots off at each other without anybody around them hearing. And like Common would walk by a pillar and as soon as he got around a pillar, he'd pop a few shots off and then put his gun back away and go by another pillar. It's... I just thought that whole scene was it was simultaneously hilarious but well done. Uh but I I prefer John Wick 1 over John Wick 2. Uh I've watched the first John Wick like 5 6 7 8 times and I think I've seen John Wick 2 twice. That's just that's just how much I care to see it again. Mm-hmm. John Wick 3 I feel like they've learned some lessons. I feel like they they toned the jokey, meme side of John Wick down and got a little bit more serious, and it worked out. And I feel like uh, there's I'd have to somebody can per minute measure this, but I feel like there was way more action from the second one and the third one, uh, or than the second one and the third one. Lots of lots of good scenes, lots of good fights. Uh, they, they don't, they do more of the, I can't believe John did that as opposed to just making a joke about it. So I, I'm, I'm down for that. I, I definitely got a good, got a good kick out of John Wick too. Had a good time, enjoyed it. My wife did too. So yeah, one, three, two, I think is like an order. If you want to put one in as preference, they're all good. I mean, if you look at just the action specifically, they're all good, but. Yeah, a lot of less hand waviness in John Wick two than in one and three. Um, uh, I feel like there may have been another movie. God, I'm so bad at doing that. Um, because <laughs> you know I tend to watch movies here at the house too, and I mm, maybe there wasn't. Um, I think I've kind of watched all the movies that I wanted to watch for a while. I have to add some more and get back into it uh paddington as an example somebody i've heard people say that the paddington bear movies are fantastic like for 
all ages. They are mm-hmm. great movies, and I'm I kind of wanna kind of wanna check these out to see because I'm like Paddington Bear, you know, the kids' book, the kids' yeah. cartoon. You're telling me that's like a uh, like a eight out of ten movie, and uh, I'd have to see it to believe it. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I think that's it for non-gaming. All right, all right. So now that now now the roller coaster picks back up. So here we are. All right. Uh, so I beat Sekiro, Chris. Okay. And that is no f- small feat. I re- it's, it's so hard to know what audience you really want to talk to when you say this because I do not want me to say something like that and it come off like I'm acting like it was nothing. Uh, or like it was super easy or like, yeah, I beat Sekiro in like whatever time and only died like 20 times, whatever I moved on. No, uh, I spent three or four days this week, multiple hours, especially on the weekend, dying multiple times to the bosses I had left over. And, um, uh, in particular, the two that really, that I had to spend a lot of time on was uh it wasn't even like a boss boss it was kind of a mini boss but there were two bosses uh next to each other there was a samurai and a and a uh uh uh, a pole arm and i think it was like nine blades or something something i forget i i feel so horrible because i again i could recite a lot of bosses from like dark souls but i i cannot do it from this game um that choked me up for a while but then i started to look at that fight from a game perspective i went into my abilities and started trying other items out or other like abilities and feats that i haven't been using and i started to lure the samurai out and kill him off quick which just left me in the main boss and then once that and that that was like five or six more deaths and i had that guy killed so it took a lot longer only because it took me that long to figure out what I needed to figure out. If I would have just fought them one-on-one, um, it was not working. I was getting my ass kicked. And I can hear the audience now, whoa, 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 you said you beat Ornstein and Smo solo. Yes, I did. In my entire career, I have done that once, and that's all I ever choose to do. And also, this fight compared to Ornstein and Smo, uh, Remember, this goes back to a couple episodes ago when I talked about, look, when you tell me you beat a boss in in whatever these Souls games, I do not give a fuck how you did it. I don't care if you cheesed it. I don't care if you spammed at items. I don't care if you went out and stocked up on a bunch of items and used them. And then I don't care if you beat the boss. I'm happy for you. Move on. Uh, When you do fight Ornstein and Smo, and I exploited this a lot when I fought those two, there are pillars in that arena. And I use those pillars a lot uh, because Ornstein has like a charge forward move and you can actually bait him to just, you can bait him on one side of a pillar and he will charge that pillar and you just shift to the other side and go fuck up Smo for a while. That's, that's an example. This fight didn't really have that. It was a much smaller arena compared to Ornstein and Smo. And also there was fire around the arena. So as I'm ducking and dodging and weaving and moving around away from the samurai or the polearm, which I try to get I try to get more in with the polearm one and get away from the samurai guy, I'd end up either running or rolling into the fire or getting pushed into the fire. That would fuck you up. So it's not just because it's two enemies on a field still wasn't exactly the same fight. 
But in any event, I killed those two and moved on. And um, I beat the last boss. And I don't know if this is necessarily a spoiler thing, Chris. Uh, if it is, I'm sorry that you you wouldn't know this. But there are multiple phases to the boss. So go figure. The last boss of the game has more than one phase. And I knew this was coming when I... I think it took me about 10 or 12 deaths to finally get his patterns all the way down and was able to beat him by the skin of my teeth. And I could just tell the way the fight was going and the amount of health he had. I'm like, this isn't it. This isn't, there's no way this is it. And of course it was not. And he was much more, he was definitely stronger, had more movesets. I mean, this is all almost like the same repeat for a lot of bosses that are like this. You know, they get, they get, they get a couple more moves. Uh, they get a little bit stronger potentially, and they may change up like what the tactics that you used on them may not work anymore. Um, all these things came into play for this boss. It was it was a lot of deaths. It was definitely a lot. Uh, I want to say probably in the forty or fifty ish range, but I finally beat him and then beat the game and the credits rolled and then I I was done and. That's all I can really say about it, man. As far as the game itself, it was good. It has a, it, it does have good mechanics. Uh, I remember the horror of me going through and thinking this game was utter bullshit because I was getting 16 enemies on me at one time until I figured out what to do and how to do it. And yes, figuring out the def uh, getting the deflection down and the defense down and all that stuff definitely helped out a lot. Um, getting getting abilities and learning to use those properly learning when and where and who against to use them definitely helped out as well i just i i really don't know i cannot explain how i don't i i put this i put this above dark souls 2 no doubt but probably above dark souls 3 a little bit but like Dark Souls and Bloodborne are just fighting for number one, and Sekiro is middle tier, I guess. That's the best way I can put it. Um, and I knew that to be the most true whenever I beat the game, and a couple days later, I was just thinking about it, and I'm like, "All right, do you want to go back and play Sekiro some more?" And I was like, "Nah." And that that's that's solidified it enough for me because when I beat Dark Souls, Chris, the next day, I think within the next couple hours, I started New Game Plus and rolled right back into that bad boy. Same thing with Bloodborne. This one, I've I did it. I've I've put the work in and beat it. But I mean, dude, that's not saying a lot. I put the work in and done a lot for a lot of these games. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's not a feather in my cap. That's just saying that I did it. Um, I don't know if it's the, I don't know if it's the fact that you can't create your own character and you're following the narrative of, of one. I don't know if it's like the game, like gives you these abilities almost in a row in, in a session. And as opposed to you kind of making what you want or how you want it. I don't know if the large amount of abilities and ninjutsus and all this stuff you get, as opposed to having more of a limited, uh, limited uh, scope for your attacks it's just the the whole totality of Sekiro just has not grabbed me and just pulled me down the way that Dark Souls and Bloodborne did mm -hmm. 
and it's 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 yeah it i don't know that's <laughs> i'm so lost for words because i feel like i'm supposed to be thinking more and feeling more for this and i'm not <laughs> and like i said before man that's totally fine uh this is not like a uh, okay some something else too this is not like a staple against from software now you know what I mean? This is not me looking at from software games and going, I don't know, ever since Sekiro. This is more like, no, nah, I played it. It was all right. I give it two thumbs up. All right. But I moved on and then, then that was it. It's not a blemish uh, at all. So when the next from software game gets announced, it better be fucking Bloodborne 2. But if it's not, then I will. I'll look into it. I'll I'll play it. I'll see. I'll probably pay more attention now to how the mechanics are and mm-hmm. what the game plays like. But I mean, from software still has me. I still love what they do. I love how they do this. I just feel like Sekiro changed some things, and it, it just feels different and not the way that I like. I don't know. I don't even know if all that even makes sense, given how much I gush about from software. But that's what it is. At the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not foaming at the mouth to to play this again as I was the other two. And you know, I played it, I experienced it, I beat it. And life moves on. I don't know if I'll ever go back to it. That's not saying that I won't. I'm saying I don't have it in me right now to want to do it. So maybe sometime in the future I'll go back. I don't know if I'll do New Game Plus or if I'll start over and see what it's like. Um, I have heard from a couple reliable sources that New Game Plus and Sekiro is like, pff, because you're ungodly and everything is already laid out for you and it's already, you're, you're just going through the motions again. Mm-hmm. But I, I take that with a grain of salt, though. I mean, that's, that's, that's somebody else's playthrough, somebody else's, somebody else's experience. Um, I called this game. You know, I said what was going to happen. I was going to run into a few more bosses, and I was going to get to the final boss, and and then that was it. And that's exactly what happened. I don't know what I was expecting. I don't know what I wanted, but it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, I played it, I beat it, and yeah, Sekiro's done. So, uh, so then I started going back to my backlog. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it last week or maybe it was this week that I actually did it, but I did put probably about a half an hour, maybe an hour into God of War four. I'm sorry. Gears of War four. Them damn gals will get you, Chris. (laughs) Um, so yeah, uh, I don't know if I was just want to test it out, but I did play it, and I definitely like the updated graphics. Uh, I it's it's still got that old school control with a few hitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I correct me if I'm wrong, audience, but I could have swore in the old God of Wars when you would roadie run, the camera would still be able to be controlled freely, or if it didn't, let me just put it this way. When you roadie run in this in God of Gears of War four, I didn't particularly care for where the camera locked into. So if it's not that the camera, if the camera was able to move freely in Gears of War, the original series, I prefer that better. If it's not that, if it did lock into place, however they put it, I preferred that angle. That's the best way I can put it. Maybe I'm completely senile and it's exactly the same angle and I just now realize I don't like it. Who knows? I don't know. But 
that's just a small little teeny tiny nitpick. Um, but it's still the gameplay, you know, you know, you, you, you run up to an area, enemies come from the front or the sides or whatever, you get behind cover, you shoot, you aim, you do reloads, you can do perfect reloads, which make it, make your reload even faster. Uh, I believe it or not, I have not tried the freaking chain gun getting up into an enemy yet. I, I need to do that, <laughs> but I, I did not. I love doing that in the gear. I found all the enemies that I could do that in, in the original mm-hmm. series, the original trilogy. Um, I do like how I got the original opening. Oh, sorry. The opening level of the game was you playing. If it wasn't the opening, I don't know if it was the opening or another level. Anyway, you got to play as uh, Dom and they kept, you know, they, oh, cause it's, they call him Santiago and because that's his last name, but you're playing like little news snippets from what happened in the past. And that, that's pretty cool. I that's as far as I got into the game. I don't have like a ton of story synopsis or or any of that to go on. I've got about thirty minutes to an hour of gameplay, and I'm like, okay, all right, I'll I'll keep on that. But it didn't. Uh, I just I guess I just felt like trying it out and put it down and moved on. It not in a bad way, just moving on. So, um. I also don't recall if last... I, I think I did. I think last episode I was talking about a SNES game I was playing called Soul Blazer. That was the uh, first game, the first, well, quote-unquote first game in the Terra Enigma trilogy. Um, and I played that, uh, finished it all the way through and beat it. Still very interesting mechanics. Uh, I, I still enjoyed that. I like the idea of... You know, you're in an overworld and you go into dungeons or uh, caves or, or whatever and you find things that lets you unlock things in the overworld and open up things and, and revive things. And that was very interesting. I like that. Uh, the game itself played out pretty well. I enjoyed it all the way through. Had a pretty good time. I then went and tried Illusion of Gaia. And I made it a couple hours into that, and for lack of a better way to put it, I felt like the story started getting a little out there. Hmm. Uh, started getting a little Kojima-y, I guess you would say. <laughs> a little bit of up its own ass, trying to be too pro- poetic and flowery with all the language and explanation. I was like, I'm kind of losing what's going on here. Sure. Uh, which is sad, because there was an interesting mechanic that I discovered fairly early on in the game. Apparently, your main character has, and I don't know, uh, please don't spoil it, audience, in case I do get into this later on to give another try. But I don't know if it's if it's like a version of you in the future or just an alternate version of somebody you control, period. But I was in a dungeon and going through a level and couldn't get past a point. Or I, No, I don't even think it was that. I got to an area where I talked to the statue and the character I was playing as disappeared and this other blonde-haired knight took its place. And I was playing as the larger blonde-haired knight. And I've gathered that you can control between those two throughout the game. And I'm assuming that if actually, not really assuming, uh, SNES Trunk told me this, that apparently there are puzzles in the game or areas in the game that only one of those two has access to. So I, that's, that's pretty cool. Flipping back, back and forth between two different characters is interesting. And I will admit, I am curious to know, as, like I said, okay, is this you in the future? Is this a alternate dimension of you, alternate version of you? Uh, what, what is this other person? I don't know. 
because the story started getting a little bit, and I said I'm going to move on. Um, I also wanted to move on because I've heard, I've seen a lot of Illusion of Gaia from back in the day, as in like articles and shit like that, but I never really had people around me tell me that, you know, Illusion of Gaia was great. But I've heard so much about Terra Enigma that it's such a good this and such a good that. And uh, it's an unsung hero. It's an unplayed game from the SNES era. And you've got to check it out if you like RPGs. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why I even played um, Soul Blazer. So I tried it out. And I think the mechanics in it were pretty cool. But it as well started to suffer a little bit from the I don't really know where we're going with this. Um. And that's really the best. I think I played Terra Enigma even less than I played Soul Blazer. So I kind of want to put those games on a burner. Um, even though I'm playing the, the backlog <laughs> games, I'm putting that back on the backlog. And maybe I'll get to that in, in another day. I will say of those three, I definitely had a good time with Soul Blazer. I went all the way through that game and uh, I enjoyed it. So... Uh, yeah, you know what? I think I might have just uh, lied, Chris. No, oh was it's. I gotta make sure. I'm turning the damn game on now to make sure. Um, I'm pretty sure Illusion of Gaia was the second one in the mm-hmm. Terra Enigma trilogy. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. That was just another one I played. Wow, so many games I played. Oh boy. Uh, I also tried out for a hot minute. Um. Uh, not Illusion of Gaia. Uh, let me find it. Jesus. Star Ocean. Nope. Not, not, we'll get to that. Secret <laughs> of Evermore. God damn it. I'm okay. getting ahead of myself. Uh, Secret of Evermore. Uh, I, I think the gameplay in this one was kind of boring me. I don't know. I played it as well for a half an hour or so and went kind of meh. Uh, mm-hmm. And yes, it is a Square, square Soft game. So... Uh, I mean, it. I should it should be up my alley, but I don't know. It just did. It, it wasn't. It wasn't pulling me in. It wasn't dragging me in. Yeah, I watched uh, someone speed run that before, um, and it. I didn't watch the whole thing because it wasn't even that interesting to watch overall. Um, yeah. So. Meh. Yeah. Um. It went back in the backlog, and okay. So uh, also to 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 put this in i should have put this in the beginning the way that i've done this list i've been i've so i've 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 taken notepad and made a little list off just off the top of my head of games that i know i've either played and not finished but want to play through or games that i've just been meaning to play and never got around to but as the audience hopefully by now is well aware i don't have a memory that's very fucking hard for me to do so I had like four or five games and I was like, man, this is going nowhere. So then I, you know, I, I took it to Google, you know, started typing in unsung or unheard of or, or hidden gem games or whatever. And I've, I added a few more. The largest contributor for me so far has been the channel I said a, a little bit ago, SNES Trunk, S-N-E-S Trunk. Uh, he, as his, cha- as his YouTube name would, would make you to understand, he predominantly has videos 
most of his videos are around the SNES. He has a couple snippets here and there. He has like comparisons between SNES games and, and Genesis games, but predominantly SNES. Hundreds of SNES uh, videos. And I quickly went through hundreds of them because fortunately they were short, but they gave me a visual and an audio sense of what the game look and sounds like. And then having him talk a little bit about how it plays and whatnot, I just made notes of what I wanted to play. Arguably a lot of RPGs, but a ton of games, period. Sure. <laughs> I've got like 40 or 50-something games now that I'm just randomly picking through. And uh, that's that's how I got my list going. And uh, so now, uh, I so like I, I had picked King of Dragons uh, out of the blue because that was another review. And I don't know, I think like in the moment I just picked it out. That's a side-scrolling beat-em-up, but it's in a fantasy style. It's a fantasy setting, so you have a you know a barbarian, an archer, and all that stuff. And eh, as a as an arcade side scrolling, um, beat 'em up style game, it serves its purpose. I made it about three or four levels in and said, oh, okay. So I was finally finishing up this list. I, I ran through all of his videos. I exhausted what he had and made a list. I had a bunch of games. I was like, all right, so now I'm just gonna randomly just pick a game and list. Just close my eyes and move the cursor around, and then bam, I landed on. Uh, Star Ocean for the Super Nintendo. And I got to say, uh, I was pissed off at Adam. I told him as such at work because, <laughs> uh, and he got a chuckle out of it because he got what I meant. He's like, why are you pissed at me? What's Star Ocean got to do with me? I have had Star Ocean on a very negative bubble for a long time because I, he's mentioned, he's told it here. I, I believe he told a story here. Yeah. But he's told it to me several times, his story of going all the way Star Ocean till the end of time and having a glorious time. And that ending just just fucking chopping his dick right off. And that's made me think, man, I don't know about this series, man. I don't want to. Well, I tried Star Ocean, the first one on the Super Nintendo. And I've got to say, um, can't believe I missed this game back in the day. This game is uh, so far very good. I'm about three, four hours into it so far, and right off the bat, it was drawing me in. Um, so, voice acting and the little intro cinematic, Chris. This is interesting, especially because it's on the Super Nintendo, right? And it made me think. Okay, what what other games do I know of that have that have had voice acting on the Super Nintendo? Well, Super Metroid had voice acting at the very beginning of the game. I don't know why I'm still going through puberty, 93 <laughs> episodes into my podcast. But body, you need to get it together, okay? You're embarrassing me in front of my brother. Uh, Super Metroid had voice acting at the very beginning. Uh, the last Metroid is in captivity. The Allies is at peace. But I mean, that's a very small snippet. You know, very right. tiny. Um, Star Fox. I remember Star Fox having uh, the alarm going off and the guy going emergency, emergency, and the characters talking doesn't count. They just go. That just that just sound effects to me. Uh, but this game had like voice, and I was it was getting to the point where I was like, when is it going to stop? Like, how does the Super Nintendo cart have this kind of memory in it? But yeah, there's a good like five minute ish uh, intro sequence, and there's legitimate voice acting. They're talking nice. through it, so that was okay. That that already had my attention for sure. Um, 
And then it cuts to the game. And the game is not anywhere in the same setting. So I was like, is this fucking Xenogears? Is this <laughs> is this fucking Xenogears all over again? Am I going to have this fucking like out in space in a fucking spacecraft? And now I'm in a fantasy world. And yes, it was. But this one seems to be flowing so far. So far. Uh, so far, the story isn't crazy, wacky, just loop-de-loop fucking out there but what we got we got a ways to go we'll see how that pans out that's more in the future so uh also uh so i took a few notes here uh uh cussing uh in that voice acting in the intro the one of the main characters goes what the hell and i was like wow (laughs) whoa (laughs) man did i ever did i ever miss this game back in the day holy shit uh immediately noticed nice music uh, when I started playing the actual gameplay, started out very chrono tr- chrono triggery. Um, there was y- your characters in bed. Your mom comes in and talks to you. There's there's nice music playing. I was like, man, it's okay. This hits a spot. This definitely hits a spot. Um, charming visuals and style right off the bat. Very um, tales, Chris. Uh, okay. Tales of um. What's that PlayStation game? Come on, man. Help me out. Uh, Tales of Tales Destiny? Of, Tales of Destiny, yes. Very Tales of Destiny. The way the characters are designed, the way they look. Um, by the way, for anyone wondering, this this was published by Square um, Enix. I mm-hmm. think they were Enix back in the day when the, when this one was out. And um, So, yeah. Uh, charming. Right off the bat, like everything, the 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 way the characters were designed, the way they moved, the the look of the town that I was in, the feel, uh, good stuff. I went to the options. Uh, you do have the the ability to fully customize the buttons to where you want them, which is good because this it, it feels like it was that it was a Japanese style game where you know, uh, 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 A was select and B was cancel, and I like it the other way around. Um, you could also do window colors and brightness, yada, yada. Just nice little, nice little touches you can do to the game. Uh, pretty cool. You get an item in the game. Like you open up a chest and an item is there. It's seven ish. So I thought that was a nice little visual touch. Uh, oh, and then I found out there's actually voices in the game as well. I was in battle and kind of like tales of destiny, you know, the, the, the characters would do stuff and you'd hear them, you know, do voices and it again, this is a Super Nintendo title, so it's it was just I don't know. Maybe there's just there's a lot about the SNES voice, uh, the the sound card and shit that I don't know about. But this is blowing my mind. Like I've never heard this much voice acting in a game. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna pause right here, Chris, because I also realized I left out another game. Uh, I played Poppin' Twinbee, which is another game that also has a lot of voice acting, Japanese voice acting in. Uh, the action you do, like when you jump, when you attack, when you swap items around. It's a side-scrolling, platforming, collecting style game where you have three different characters. They have charge-up move where you can uh, charge or jump up and you can bounce around the screen. It was very, very entertaining. I made it a few levels in. And uh, so I just want to pop that in there because I, th- I was like, man, I played Poppin' Twinbee and there's voices all over the place. And now I'm playing Star Ocean and there's voices all over the place. Apparently, the Super Nintendo could do voices and I just did not know this. Um, 
something I've a, a, a critique that I don't necessarily care for, and audience, please let me know because I've tried all the buttons and can't find it, and I couldn't find any options either. Uh, lack of a walk button, so you are always running around, which is fine. I like to always run around, but I also like the ability to slow down, like when I want to open a chest or when I want to go in a door <laughs> or something. So, I mean, I typically play. Most of my, if there's a run function or a run ability, I'm always in run. And I know that's not the best way to play games. It's just like, you know, if you just slow the fuck down, maybe you control it better, but I'm always running. So this was up my alley until I realized there was no way to walk. So you really got to, really got to time your movement when you're just doing things that require precision. But eh, eh it hasn't killed it for me so far. Um, <clears throat> Another another critique is uh, the the graphics and the terrain itself. Uh, I call this the Suikoden One problem. Uh, for those you can check back a previous episode where a friend of mine let me borrow his PlayStation back in the day on the predication that I beat Suikoden f- or get past a section in Suikoden for him. He was stuck at the very beginning of the game in Gregminster where he couldn't he didn't see the opening where you could go into where the dragons were kept. And I understand that because of the way the terrain looks. It was just hard to see that was an opening. That's kind of what this game has a lot of. It has a lot of like the shrubbery is painted in certain ways where it's really hard to tell if it's where you can and can't walk through or uh, you can't tell it's actually a wall. It's just the way that it's designed. But I've made my way around. Now Now that I've visually grown accustomed to it, I'm able to move around no problem. Just a small little nitpick. Uh, same thing in this vein, though. The 3D terrain in the game is not always obvious. So let me let me describe this. So let's say you have a speed scale, okay? And that speed scale is how fast the screen itself moves when your character moves around. Let's say everything is on the same plane. Let's say the scale is 1 through 5. Your character starts walking. When he walks, the speed is at 3. So everything in that scale moves at three. The way that they simulate 3D in these types of games is they'll have the, the foreground move at a higher speed or a slower speed. That way, when you're moving, it'll seem like the stuff at the foreground isn't moving not as fast, and it'll make a pseudo 3D appearance. This doesn't seem to have that. There are a lot of places where I see it should, and it doesn't. So I don't, I couldn't tell that it was like a 3d area i couldn't tell that i could walk under something because it wasn't moving and then i finally maneuvered my way around and said oh this is not just a wall that i can walk under this and eh, again a nitpick not saying that other games have done it or haven't haven't had the same problem i'm sure they're 32-bit playstation that didn't have this but something that i would i would have liked to see given something like i don't know chrono trigger you know um Let's see. Um, So, okay, just a brief touch on the story because this is where I'm starting to wonder where it's going to go. And it's actually been very interesting so far. This, so I'm, I'm almost equidistant to where I was as far as time from uh, Illusion of Gaia and Secret of Evermore. And I've kind of gave up on both. Well, mainly Illusion of Gaia and, I'm sorry, and Terra Enigma because the story kind of went like, and I don't really care and I don't really understand what we're doing. This one had one as well, but it's actually followed through and not been super convoluted and it's interested me so far. So I'm going to see where it goes. Um, so you, you find out that this town nearby is sick and they send you on an adventure to go 
help out if you can. And they say, hey, yes, yeah, so everybody in this town is sick. They're turning to stone. And But if you find this magical herb um, up north of the town, you could probably save the day. And that's very typical. You know, just go do this thing, and you're, you're probably going to run into the magical story MacGuffin. You're going to find a magic sword or something. Who knows? <laughs> well, your character goes, but uh, one of your parents' fathers show up and goes, Hey, hey, hey. I'm going to take care of this. You just sit here while I go save the day. And I was like, wow, that's uh, oh, okay. So we're not the hero. So destiny didn't choose us. It chose you. Okay. That was a little different, but, um, so I, as the story progresses for reasons, you actually do have to go find this herb yourself. I went to go find the herb. I found it. And when I found it, the fucking androids from Dragon Ball Z show up. Yeah, I'm saying it just like that. Like these two, these two people just teleported in out of nowhere, okay. and was like, "Uh, hey, uh, yeah, you need to come with us." And I was like, "What the fuck?" And even the characters are like, "What are you talking about? Like you're saying words and things that we that, that don't make sense to us." And they're like, "Look, we have we have the cure. If you come with us, we can help. We can help fix these people." And yada yada yada. And they were like, "All right, well, if you." you say you can help then we'll go with you and they've gone and that's as far as i want to take that because once okay. i've gotten into where i'm going the, the story is now progressing in another direction it's not crazy not zany wild out there they're not throwing radical terms at me that i don't understand and all these convoluted story plots and and, and super poetic talk it's just the story is going this way now and i'm actually following it and i'm interested in where it's going so all in all, uh, this game has me hooked so far. Uh, it was surprising. You know, like I said, Evermore didn't do it. Gaia didn't do it. Terranigma didn't. But this one did. And I'm following through. Oh, I, I guess the last thing is I'll touch on the battle mechanics. It's kind of a mix between what we know from Tales of Destiny, Chris, and what we know mm -hmm. from classic uh, RPGs, where uh, it's, it's, it's the 2D on this on the screen but if you remember in tales of destiny it was kind of like the floor and then you walked across the floor left and right this is yeah. more like think of final fantasy 6 battle screen final fantasy 4 battle screen and the enemies are still on the left and you're on the right your party goes out and does actions on their own and moves on their own and heal and all that shit on their own and then you select the enemy you want to attack or use an ability on or whatnot. So kind of a pseudo mix between tales of destiny and say final fantasy six, if I can put it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, all in all interesting, uh, was not on my backlog until now, but now that it is, I am playing it. I am interested in it. Very charming and has definitely hit me out of nowhere for a super Nintendo RPG. Uh, and like I said earlier, of this list, I want to say at least a third, if not half of the list of games I want to try out <laughs> are RPGs. I do have some other ones from other systems. I got a couple PlayStation games and all on there. I'm, I'm trying my best to find some time to make, you know, you, I got to go through every console and find games and add it to it. I got a bunch of PlayStation 2 games on there, but end time. Um, so yeah, Star Ocean, man. It's good. It's it's pretty good. I'm enjoying it. Um, and from what I'm hearing, apparently all the other games around <laughs> till the end of time are very good. So 
who knows? Who knows what the future holds of Star Ocean for me? Yeah, I have the. I say the. I don't know how many there are. I have a Star Ocean PlayStation game. I recall playing it, enjoying it. I don't know if I ever beat it or not, which yeah. is typically the case with most of my old PlayStation RPGs. But. <laughs> Yeah, from what I from what I understand, this Star Ocean, and then there the uh, yeah, what is that PlayStation? Let me see. There's a PlayStation Star Ocean, the second story. Okay, duh, <laughs> go figure. Um, I heard I hear that those two in particular are very good. So yeah, if this one, if this one, as long as this game doesn't go off in the wild blue yonder. Just doesn't go absolutely shit crazy. Doesn't pull a Xeno gears on me. I'll, I'm in. I'm in. They've got me. They've got my attention. I'm hooked. So, yeah. Well, not only is that it for my week, but that's gonna that's gonna do it for tonight, folks. Uh, so, what about you? What E3 predictions do you have for the 2019 E3 conference? Anything you're looking forward to? Uh, are, are you ho hum about it? Honestly, I kind of am. Uh, I can't wait for this show to prove me wrong, but um, yeah, how do you feel about it? Uh, any of the news articles at all that we talked about today? Uh, any of the movies that that uh, video game movies that are coming out? Uh, what do you, what do you think about video game movies in general? What games have you been playing this week? What have you been working on? What are you interested in? What games are on your backlog? What games are, What games do you recommend for me or Chris to play that you haven't heard us talk about, but you but we just need to play. I'd love to hear that, man. I'd love to hear why you think we should play and why you why you would be why you're so passionate that we play them. Uh, anything and everything gaming related, anime related, movie related, whatever you want to talk about, man. We'd love to hear anything from you. There are many ways that you can get a hold of us. You can go to Facebook and search for our Facebook page. Just type in in a timecast. It should take you right to our page. And I mean, it may be how you found this episode right here. We have an email. You can send us an email at endoftimecast at gmail.com. That's endoftimecast at gmail.com. No funny numbers in there. Just spell it like you heard it. We have a Twitter page. You can tweet us. You can retweet us. However you want to do that. Uh, we are featured on YouTube. Uh, I say featured. We're not getting paid, please. But we our episodes are being uploaded there. After I you know edit them over to video, they're getting put there. You can leave comments on there. Uh, you, you, at this point, you should be able to just to Google in quotes, end of time cast. And at some way that will take you to one of our episodes on various hosting sites. And there are again, many ways to get a hold of us and we love to hear from you. We love to converse and talk with you about your passion for gaming because we are definitely two passionate people about gaming still to this day. Yeah, that's going to do it for tonight's episode, folks. And... Until next time, I'm Michael. And I'm Chris. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>